0: We had a very uneventful weekend this week. Um, I want to welcome on Lex and Matt. But first, before we get into the podcast, I want to congratulate you, Matt. Your podcast got picked up by The Undefeated. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, nah, 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 nah. I'm not, I'm not ready to speak on that now.
1: But before we start the podcast, I just want to say the views expressed by me and Lex are the views of me and Lex only any foul language or spicy takes please do not hold the Sunday Puncher
0: accountable. Now let's go (laughs) Anything for you to say Lex? Let's turn up Let's get it. Any disclaimers? You guys don't usually do this so I don't know if you guys have been conspiring behind the scenes without me (laughs) and are planning Nah nah
1: nah nothing like that it's just uh, that little redhead, little chump, was fighting this weekend. So I know you kicking off the show with him. So we we'll have to talk about him.
0: Whoa! Whoa! I'm- Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Canelo is not fighting this weekend. So I don't know who or what redhead you were talking about. This is the Sunday Puncher podcast. My name is Angelo. I am the host. These are my guests, Matt and Lex. But you've probably figured that out. So. Now that we know that we can disregard their opinions and that theirs are their own, we can get into Chris Colbert, who faced King Tug. Um saw Neon Bayar, is what they were calling him on the broadcast. King Tug went in there, gave a valiant performance, but came up short. Colbert got the unanimous decision victory over King Tug. Let's start it out here. What grade would you give... Chris Colbert's performance. Let's start with you, Lex. Uh, solid B. A B. Solid
2: B. I mean, like he I think for most people he probably went in there and did what you expected him to do. Um I think every time we we see Chris Colbert over his last like four or five fights, he shows like a different wrinkle and knowing that he has all these different abilities is pretty impressive. I mean, this fight he showed off a, a, a tremendous jab. At times, he pushed for what seemed like maybe a stoppage or maybe to press the the gas on King Tug, but King Tug showed to be tough. So um, I'd say a solid B.
0: What about you, Matt? Do you agree with that? Does, was Chris Colbert's performance a B to you?
1: He's a B, but I'm going to give his performance an F.
0: An F. An, an F. F. We have to hear this.
1: Yo, this guy was going up against somebody that – took the fight on a couple weeks notice that was coming up from 126 that we saw him get outboxed by Gary Russell Jr. easily, outpointed him easily. Why the hell was Chris Colbert on his bike for the last three rounds running around like he was in there with Deontay
0: Wilder? Do you want me to answer that?
1: Yeah, I do want you to answer that to, they, because I, I know you're you're very familiar with Chris Colbert because you are the king of PBC and you are the king of the lower weight classes. So what 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 the hell was up with that performance? This was supposed to be his coming out party, and it <laughs> seems that the way he handled the entire fight week and the fight left a lot to be desired.
0: All right. You gave him an F, and I can see yep. your perspective here. If we say the grade that you have given Chris Colbert is 100% predicated on the 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 standard, or if we're gonna base it around what he said was about to happen, that was an absolute f. There's no doubt about it. Chris Colbert came in and he talked like he was the second coming of Muhammad Ali. Now we know that that's actually Michelle Rivera after Saturday night, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But Chris Colbert. And, and Lex, we did a podcast on Friday, just a little baby podcast on the Patreon feed, and we talked about the the mindset of Chris Colbert and like the culture and history of the Brooklyn athlete. And we got a, a complete taste of that all last week where Chris Colbert came out and continued to talk about how King Tug was going to get stopped. He was going to get knocked out. He was so much better than Tug. And if you watch segments of that fight there are there's legitimate um I guess we could say you could legitimately see why Colbert says the things that he says and why there is the hype around Chris Colbert that there is because on one hand he is a phenomenal talent the jab is excellent his speed is excellent his movement his footwork all of that is very good but on the other side There's some things to be a little disappointed with. And that is that towards the end of that fight, as you pointed out, he was on his bike. And I think in that moment, there is an expectation that Chris Colbert must put his foot on the pedal. He's got to finish it. Now, if Colbert said at the end of the fight, I felt bad that this guy stepped in and I didn't want to really take some years off of his career because he allowed both of us to get a payday. I would understand that. But that's not what happened. Colbert talk like he was going to murder King Tug and that's just not what we saw. I think there are there are some flaws with Chris Colbert. Not major flaws, but I think there are some flaws and we saw them. And, and let's also give King Tug some credit. One, he's tough. Two, pretty good timing. Did you guys notice him catching Colbert at times with some big shots? I think we got to give yeah. Tug some credit for that, that that he is a crafty fighter. Now make no mistake, he's I don't think that he is the top guy. And I don't know that he'll ever be a world champion, but I wouldn't be shocked if he were to get there. So I, I do. Let, wanna...
1: let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Angelo. Yeah, 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 of course. What was the difference between that Chris Colbert fight and Usher Core Stevenson fight?
2: <laughs> Is that a joke? <laughs>
0: um, the opponent was a little I was better. Just, I was just as bored. Oh, hold on. I was just as bored. I, I yes. All all I'll say is the opponent was a little better. And everything else that you're expecting me to say, I'm not going to say it because that was really the difference. I think King Tug's a bit better than what we normally see uh, Shakur in there with. And and certainly Tug's more popular and more known and familiar than the people that Shakur Stevenson fights. But other than that, I see your point. This was a, a, a performance that featured a lot of talent. There was a lot of sweet science, in quotes.
2: Yeah, you know I can't stand that.
0: I Yeah, and... and well,
2: I, I, I don't agree with what you guys are saying. Now, hold to, on. Before defend,
0: you... Keep, hold your point oh, my, real quick. Hold it real quick. Cause I, I'm just going to throw this bad. out I'm there. Holding, I'm holding. i holding. Matt, you call me the king of PBC. I don't... I am... I am offended by that because Lex here is going to defend Chris Colbert. So why don't we listen to the king of PBC and he can... uh, uh
1: I would love to hear that Lex defend uh, Chris Colbert because I want to hear what he's going to say because I I have a feeling uh, we're going to have to make a decision on Lex pretty soon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, man. When comparing Chris and Shakur's performance, there were times in the fight that Chris did pick up the pace and try to... And he took some risks in the fight. He was trying to land, like, the the southpaw... Lead uppercut and just crazy shit that most regular people couldn't land. Shakur doesn't Fair take point. those risks at all. Now, when the the fight, there were element or moments in the fight where it did get boring, but because the pace was the same, but not because Colbert didn't make a choice to try to get busy. He was getting busy. It just the pace ended up being the same throughout the fight, and and that also can be contributed to tug. Shakur could have picked it up. He just never did because. I don't know if the kid's power was real or he just doesn't have the ability to pick it up. But that's what a lot of people are waiting for from Shakur and he hasn't gave it to us yet. Chris tries most fights. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. That yeah. is my defense of Chris Colbert. And, and I, I
0: think that's a fair point. I actually, I think I can agree with that. And, it, and I don't think that that's like some major defense of Colbert. Um, I, I think it's a valid point about Shakur. And it is probably the most accurate thing you could say about the distinction or the not the distinction, the difference between Colbert and Shakur. Matt, what do you have to say about that?
1: I think we're gonna have to review Lex's membership in the bomb squad.
0: No, no, no. You can't you can't you can't you can't do that to him. Lex
1: I'm gonna talk to Tay and Art Man. We're gonna oh, see no. if this God
0: no, well, wait, this feeling. is
2: the wait, wait, wait. I feel like we're tapping into a different topic. We didn't talk about that yet the, the comments that's a whole different thing.
0: To me, no, 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 we're not talking about the, the comments. Fight. We don't need it. I
2: think, I think this needs to be talked about. We can't just sweep this under the rug. Well, no, 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 hold part.
0: on, hold on. Let me
1: frame it uh, a, a little bit. Nah, we don't want you framing shit. No, I no, want to hear him talk this shit.
0: I want, I, I just want to say <laughs> that. The people that were excited to watch Chris Colbert fight this weekend, would you say that there was a correlation between any sort of boxing fan that exists? I fell
1: asleep during this fight. I was excited to see him fight until fight week began, and he started talking his nonsense. And then after that, I didn't watch
2: his damn fight. I only saw highlights. I'm gonna, I waited, wait, wait, wait. Now, Matt, I would like for you to articulate... Why you made the choice to fall asleep based on his comments? Because Hold on, I saw he didn't
0: make a choice wait, 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 to fall wait. asleep.
2: Let me, let me, let me get, let me talk my itch. <laughs> I saw some people in the Twitterverse uh-huh. who commented about what Chris Colbert said in the fight, and for those who didn't hear, someone asked Chris about fighting in Brooklyn, and Chris Colbert's oh response was, oh and I'm paraphrasing, but corny. Wait, 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 corny, What did he the say? What you. did he say? He said. If I fight in Brooklyn, we need a stacked card because people, uh, the people like No, this he said, my people. Yes. He said my people like this and pointed to his skin color. You're people too. Don't don't support me. Now, Matt translate. That said, just translate that real
0: quick. Support. Translate that into regular English. What did he, what was he saying? Chris Colbert was saying that black
2: people do not support Chris Colbert.
0: Um, I I would say, just as a defense of Chris Colbert, that I don't think anyone supports him because he's not that popular. But, Matt, go on. (laughs)
1: First of all, uh, you're right. Damn, you kind of blunted what I was going to say with that excellent point you just made. Um, (laughs) He's just not that (laughs) popular. Isn't this the same guy who was saying that he's Mexican? So, I'm not sure when the black community ever came into play for for Chris Colbert. Because if, if you think about it, the, the black boxing community, the black boxing community that actually buys tickets and buys pay-per-views because uh, the other side really don't, they support guys like Deontay Wilder, like Errol Spence Jr. And those are the two fighters that Chris Colbert has been trolling the most. So, if you have black fight fans that actually support boxing, why would you go against a lot of the guys that are their favorite fighters?
0: And that's that is why my initial thought when the the whole little controversy or whatever you want to call it about the video being taken down, and if you have no clue what we're talking about, Colbert did an interview. He he, he wasn't very complimentary of Deontay Wilder. Picked. Fury to beat him, which is not a problem. Chris Colbert just kind of made it very personal in his criticism of Deontay Wilder that was a little wait, uncalled wait, for. Let
2: me now let me add in because there might be people who didn't hear the video because it's down now. And Wilder's team today spoke about this. They said that it's fine when people pick Fury because that's the nature of the game. Some people are gonna think is better, some people are gonna think Wilder's better, and that's okay. Right. But when you get personal, there's a problem. In the video, if you didn't hear it, Chris Colbert was saying. Wilder's a sucker, he's acting like a sucker. He may have thrown in a couple, he's acting like a bitch, making excuses. Like, what did they put in his water? Was it Hennessy? Come on, like, you can't cheat, blah, 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 blah. And, and that is a big attack on Deontay Wilder's character and that is
0: not okay. So, but the thing is here, um, Cobra said all those things and like the problem I have, I, I had with it and and what I thought was like, okay, the video got taken down. Colbert said some things that I I really think, even if he agreed with every single thing that he said, and he meant it, he has to think this is a business. And and Lex, I think you disagreed with this, um, but that it wasn't best for business if he left that up because that is not the statement you want to make because the intersection of fans that would potentially support you and currently support Deontay Wilder is like pretty large and you don't want to piss off a a subsection of fans that could potentially, you know, make you into a big star. And I thought that it was probably going to be Colbert's team that would ask that video to get taken down because it was probably like some some things that Colbert says that he probably wishes that he didn't do it in such a public fashion. Lex, I think you would disagree with me and said that Colbert 100% doesn't care. But I do think now that we know that Colbert's team did take it down, that I was right.
2: Well, no, my, my point was that Chris Colbert doesn't care. Now, Colbert's team, coach, manager, whatever, that's a whole different convo. But and and this is what we talked about on the Brooklyn thing. Like, and Matt, you're like, you know better than most what a Brooklyn competitor talks like. Chris Colbert does not care. I stand by that. If even they asked him after the fight and it was like well, what about those comments? He's like, look, everyone has an opinion. I'm just keeping it real. Everyone has opinions just like an asshole. That is the Brooklyn thing to say.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing,
2: though. Here's the
1: thing about that. When you talk about a Brooklyn competitor, Deontay Wilder and Chris Colbert are not in the same lane. If they were in the same lane, I could understand. If there was a chance that these two guys could meet down the line, I would understand. But these guys are about 100 pounds apart. They ain't never gonna meet. They not fight for the same fan base. They they not in the same lane. So to me, for for him to attack Deontay Wilder the way he did, that wasn't a Brooklyn thing to do. That was just plain old hating.
0: Oh, so you think he was just hating, and Lex thinks that this is uh, more of a competitive thing? No, no. I, of, wait, 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 wait. What are they
2: competing I, for?
0: No, no. I, I let me. No, clarify, like as a competitor. I,
2: say, I don't. I don't mean that Chris and Wilder are competing for anything. What I mean is Chris Colbert is a competitive individual the same way Paulie Malignaggi was a competitive individual. These are professional boxers. They have to be competitive. And and me, with my basketball background, a lot of times you play kids from Brooklyn, they got a lot of mouth. And, and
1: And what did you just say? When you play kids from Brooklyn, that means that they were competing against you, meaning you were in their same lane. Deontay Wilder is not competing against Chris Colbert. Or maybe in Chris Colbert's hating ass mind, he is competing <laughs> against guys like Deontay Wilder because Deontay Wilder is the most bankable superstar that PBC has.
0: Hmm. I just I wonder um, if maybe Colbert thought that this was a play to somehow like make himself yeah, stand probably- out. To All distance to, out. Well, I mean, it seems like that's kind of like what he does. Like if you look at his his hair, his, 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 like the ridiculous colors, the dude is basically a walking, like, look at me sort of thing. And, and I,
2: I'd like to throw out there, like, I've watched a lot. Like, this week, I made the specific, like, I went out and watched a bunch of Chris Colbert interviews from the last four years. He's, he more than most fighters, he understands the business really well. And I think in understanding the business, he, to, he tries to make a, himself a lightning rod for attention. I mean, look at his hair every fight. He does a different color. He does different uh, outfits. He did the football outfit. He did the jail outfit. He knows how to get attention. He knows the business and matchmaking. But he needs to know when to turn it on and I when to turn he it knows off. I how
1: to get attention. I think he's struggling to get attention. And that is why he's doing whatever. Oh, and, and, you know, stuff. and
2: Matt, here's a, here's a big problem with Chris. And this is why he needs to mature and watch his mouth. He's directly behind Tank and directly behind Shakur. He's been behind Shakur his whole life as an amateur and as a pro. And Tank is overshadowing a lot of these young kids. The only way Chris is going to get the attention he wants is if he continues to kick ass. All the antics, interviews, hairstyles, it's not really going to do it. He needs to fight. And, like, all the knowledge he has about the industry, it's great. But if he's not winning and winning in dramatic fashion, it's not going to matter.
0: I mean, you could, he, he reminds me of the Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys do all this stuff to get the headlines, but they can't deliver. And thus far, Chris Colbert has been a very good fighter up to this point, but he has not quite made the, like It is not intersected. Where Colbert is drawing attention has not quite been because of what he's done in the ring. Now, half of that is because the opponents that Colbert has fought thus far are kind of like guy-on-the-way-up, prospect-level opponents. And obviously, Colbert is very young, so we're not expecting him to have a face like the murderer's row just yet. But that those two things have not intersected yet, where Colbert's out-of-the-ring stuff is just as good as what he's delivering in the ring. And I think that that is going to be the struggle for him, is if he's going to keep trying to draw pull attention in, he's losing sight of what he actually just needs to do, is just show that he's absolutely unbeatable. And the question but is it's like, not
1: only about being unbeatable, he needs to do
2: it in style because that matters.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And,
2: and also like, I, I want you to throw in, like when you're looking at the opponents in his weight class, he's not going to be the first guy you want to run to. Like there's a great reason to wait for tank. You'll be on pay-per-view. It's a huge bag. I, I don't know about your core. But, like, Chris is not, like, like he's, like, fourth or fifth down the line of, of guys you would want at 130. That's a tough place to be.
0: Like, even if you were, if we were, um, like, doing a fantasy draft of the talent at 130, I mean, what round does he go in? If it's just us three, the first round is, well, we assume Tank can still go to 130. I, I have some doubts about that. But... Presuming that he can, I mean, tanks the obvious, clear number one pick. You have Oscar Valdez. How far are we going? you have Shakur Stevenson? How far are we going down the list before we say, "All right, I'll take Chris Colbert." You know, there there are probably five to six guys at one thirty right if now. I, that are I, I will say, in a in a in a vacuum, you can make a
2: better argument for Chris. But given that Valdez has all the belts, Shakur is like the golden child of boxing tank is the pay-per-view guy it just like once you like lay everything out chris gets lower and lower and lower and i'm super high on him but like it's just you know you got to call it how you see it
0: no he's he's got he's an incredible talent there's no doubt about it but there are there are obvious there are gaps in his talent in his game and now let's 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 also just be fair there are gaps in many fighters games and including the guys that you might put above them but there's gaps there and thus far, he's not catching on in terms of like, this is not a, a young tank on the rise. You know, I, I think where his popularity is at is kind of the, the, I guess you could say the trajectory of his star is not like rocketing upward. It's going up, but I don't necessarily think it's like this guy's can't miss at this point. Now, all of that could change. And I think that's the thing with Colbert that maybe, I, I don't know, a similar guy doesn't quite have going for him is that I could see the path forward for Colbert. He's got enough talent. I think he's got the I think he kind of understands like the showmanship of boxing and right now what he really needs is to f- refine it and like actually find his lane where he's not coming off as cringe. <laughs> can I
2: can I make a, a unique parallel? You you may not agree with me. I'm it's not perfect but we'll it kind of reminds me of when Errol first like got on the scene and Keith was there, Sean was there, Danny Garcia was there and Floyd was there. And like Errol, it took Errol a while to like get that big fight. And once he got it, like you said, table's turn, but it took him a minute to get there.
0: Um, Hmm. I think there, uh, I think.
2: Some similarities, not perfect, not perfect.
0: Yeah. I could sit here all day and like kind of run through the examples of where he might sit. But, I mean, where do you guys think he is in terms of, like, his development going forward? Where do we want to see him go next?
2: Matt, you want to go first? I don't give a fuck about him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about you, Lex? He is your boy, after all.
2: I I, I like the the Martinez fight. I like that.
0: That, Yeah, that's something that they were talking about. Xavier Martinez, those guys potentially fighting for Tank's old 130-pound title. I think that's a good fight, but I think it's a very vi- like I, I would be shocked if that's anything less than a nine to three victory for Colbert. Um, I, I some people like what they've seen from Xavier Martinez, and I think that there are flashes of something good there. But in terms of overall, the package that he brings to the ring, I think he would be dinner for Colbert. I think. We've seen enough from both of those guys to know that I think Colbert could potentially stop him. (laughs) I don't think so, mate. Don't ever call me mate again. (laughs) Don't ever call me mate again, first of all. Second of all, why don't you think so?
1: Yo, Colbert showed who he really was, okay? This is a guy that is comfortable just being on his bike. He is Shakur Stevenson with bad opinions and colorful hair. That's basically <laughs> what it is.
0: Um, He's a better combination puncher we gave, than no, Stevenson. No,
1: we, we gave him so much credit for his performance against Arbaletta, But lest we forget that he was just being booed out of the building a fight before that. Against Jezreel Corrales, I don't think that is.
0: you can entirely blame him for that. Have you ever seen Corrales fight? It don't matter. That was a bad it matchup. Matter. It don't matter. I this will guy. throw in,
2: too. he Now, he, whatever. He said it, but he did say that he broke his hand or hurt his hand in one of the earlier rounds, and that's when he decided. Just, he don't have a punch hard enough to hurt his hand. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just putting it on record. He did say that.
0: Come on, uh, man. I,
2: enough of this guy.
0: I could I could see him hurting this hand his hand in this fight. No I think Xavier Martinez is, is in that mashup Colbert walks him into something that Martinez does not see coming and you can debate whether or not Colbert like on a metrics level punches hard but I think that shot that Martinez walks into will be the end of him uh, let's let's touch on uh, King Tug. Where do you guys see him as a talent at like 130, 126? I, I really like King Tug and what he brings to the table.
1: Well, where do you see him, Dan, since you like him so much? You let us know.
0: <laughs> I, I think, he, he, uh, I hate to say this about fighters, but I think he, he needs a new corner. I think he's got Ooh. it. I think he has a lot going for him. His, 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 he's got a good work rate. Stamina is great. Uh, Colbert says he can punch. I never thought of Tug as a puncher, but maybe he's got like that—just kind of raw. He's strong. Of course, he's a puncher. He's—I I think he's maybe strong, but not necessarily like a murderous puncher like Tank. And he got like nine knockouts in twelve fights. Have you watched him fight?
1: Yeah. Yo, you know, you know what it is about Tug that people um don't realize. He was knocking dudes out when he's above 126. It's just that when he cuts back down to 126, it seems the power is not the same. But when he uh, fought, uh, who was it? Oscar Escandón, and when he fought, uh, who, who was the other guy? He uh, he he knocked out that uh, tank. Never knocked out. Uh German Mirage. He, he when he's above one in twenty-six, he got a lot of power. Like the Mirage guy is the only guy that Tank has never knocked out. And and Tug stopped him.
0: I, I think I, I don't think he power is is a tricky thing because there's the one punch power and then there's like physically can break you down. And I think Tug's kind of a break you down type of guy. But I, I think just like We've seen him come up against Gary Russell. We've seen him come up against Colbert. And basically, the same thing happened in both of those fights. He can keep pace. He can stay on his feet. But there's nothing special that he's doing that's really making these guys have to, like, be in for a long night. And I think maybe he needs a new corner that's going to be able to utilize him a little better. Bring some new wrinkles in and maybe just get some, some fresh air. Into his career, and I, I would not be shocked if he wound up getting himself a world title. I'm, I don't think that I'm not making the guarantee there, but I wouldn't be shocked if that were his future. So I, I would like to see him maybe take two to three fights as like kind of you got to get right. Like you're the opener on a card before getting back in there with the top dog. But I like that move for him because I think Tug does a lot of things really well. But there's just something missing. We we need the, uh, a secret sauce here.
1: Well, throw out, throw out some names that, that you would like to see, to see it matched up with.
0: Some names? I'd have to go down the list of like featherweights and, and super featherweights. Um, All right.
1: Let, let me help you out. Let me help you out. Let's start a super featherweight. What about somebody like Oshaki Forster?
0: I think that's a fight that you wait a little bit. If you're going to get a new camp... Um, you take one or two easier fights, and then I think I think he'd probably beat Foster. all right, what about somebody like Lamont Roach? That's a hell of a fight. That's just a good fight to make. I don't know i I, I think Tug probably outpoints him, but that is a good fight. Lex, what is going on with your phone here? I can hear myself.
2: Um, I don't know. Let's see. try is it better now? I don't yeah,
0: it's better
1: do okay. like doing over
0: there? <laughs> um, but I, I think those would be good fights for him. Like, don't put him in with Jezreel Corrales. Uh, that's not a good fight. But I, I mean, look. Overall, I, I like King Tug. I want to keep seeing him on TV. He hasn't turned in a bad performance. I think, even though he's come up short twice, I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, he, this guy didn't come to win. Or anything like that. I think that dude's he's an endearing fighter is, I guess, the way to put it. Let's move on. I think
1: think they should see if he could fight somebody like Ruben Villa or Eduardo Ramirez.
0: Ramirez and Tug would, like, potentially be a fight of the year contender. (laughs) I believe it. Uh, All right, let's move on to the undercard. Muhammad Ali, I mean, sorry. Michelle Rivera scored a sensational (laughs) knockout over John Fernandez- uh, were you impressed with what Rivera did in the fight? Matt, nah.
1: you got it. Nah. No?
0: Nah. Why weren't you impressed?
1: Because, no, because this guy, first of all, he got knocked down. First of all, that's that's number one. The, this is a guy who people claimed that was good, he was going to fight Adrian Brona, but the Brona camp said no. And the fight was supposedly going to be at welterweight. How the hell was he going to deal with welterweight power when he's getting his ass knocked down by a lightweight John Hernandez?
0: First of all, Rivera's team turned down the Broner fight. Broner's Uh, team didn't because Rivera didn't want to fight at welterweight. Say that again? Rivera's team turned the fight down because they didn't want to fight at welterweight.
1: Well, they did uh, in the fight before this one. They fought um, Racy's at, at one. What was it? One forty four, something like that.
0: One forty six. I think there's levels to uh to that, and they weren't. They they didn't want to face an Adrian Broner at welterweight instead of a guy with like, you know, fifteen pro fights. But I, I'm, well, I'm you you guys actually were you, you that knockdown that he suffered
2: wasn't that bad. But he slipped. To be honest, that's like even though he did get clipped, like going down, he was to me he was out of position. He so was kind of just it, it was.
0: I mean, it was basically the perfect storm to create a knockdown for for Fernandez. I don't think Rivera was terribly hurt. I do think he was hurt so a little was bit. He on. No, so I do I think was he, he was hurt on, a little bit, but like th- there, I don't think he was in trouble there in, in terms of like getting stopped. But I, I definitely think he did feel that shot. It was just uh, the perfect storm. That caused a knockdown uh, in, in that moment, but I, I, you weren't impressed with the way he was able to adjust. This is
1: this is John Fernandez. Are we talking about some big name opponent, some 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 heavy hitter?
0: John Fernandez isn't bad.
1: Oh, uh, he he's not good. He's not bad though. <laughs> he 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 got beat easily by Oshaki Forster, like.
2: Almost three years ago. Yeah. And I don't think Frost is that good. I mean, the, the thing we have to keep in mind with Rivera, I mean, he's still 23. He's a baby. 23 to me is a baby. And he, he started boxing at what, like 16 or something like that? Uh, I,
0: I don't know when he started boxing.
2: Yeah, I, I think he started boxing at a younger, uh, like a, a more advanced age compared to some other, like, elite top-tier prospects. I, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I was overly in. Im- With the form, the performance, because I expect great things out of Rivera, but it was a very, very good performance.
1: Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! You expect great
2: things out of Rivera? Yeah, I'm I'm high on Rivera, man. Like every time I see him, he looks better and better and better. He's his resume is like one of those like underrated, sneaky good resumes. He hasn't been taking really any totally easy touches, and and he looks good every time out. I think that he's like a top five-ish kind of guy at the weight class, and that's saying a lot because top five in that division is, is like Tank, Ryan, or I don't know about Ryan, Teofimo, maybe Devin. He He's he not like top, he, five. I, it, top five. What is the top five of 135, though? He's not top five. You got Lopez,
0: Lomachenko,
1: Lomachenko, Devin Haney. Haney, Garcia, Comey, Fortuna. I'm taking I'm taking him over Comey. Comey
0: will knock his ass out. Nah, Comey's out. done, guys. He's done. A year ago, maybe. No way. He's done. He is done. Him
2: and Fortuna would be an interesting fight. That'd be a good fight because I, the thing about Fortuna is like, he's really tough, but he's not unhittable. And I, I buy, I subscribe to uh, Rivera's power and his discipline too. So I think that's like a, that's a good matchup. Don't Real sleep matchup.
0: on Isaac Cruz at one thirty-five. And Rolly, no, of course.
2: Little Cruz. <laughs> uh, I don't really
0: care about that guy. Um, here, Here's what I'll say about this. We've seen probably for well over a decade now, but certainly in the last five years, there's been an influx in Dominican-Republican talent in boxing. And there are a lot of similarities between these fighters. And Michelle Rivera is like the latest iteration of that, which is to say you have... In terms of the athleticism that they bring, he is uh, a spectacular athlete. Okay, the guy's strong. He's fast. His he uh, he can move around the ring. You know, he can do a lot of that stuff. But yeah, there's also some like r- like he's just raw, and that comes with a foundation that he just seems to lack, which is. Going to get him in trouble when he were, if he were to get into a ring with the Devin Haney, you could see him having trouble finding uh, a home for his jab or consistently landing. And I think that that is just a problem that they're going to continue to have until they can build the sort of Lex, your phone is like doing something. Um, But this is going to be continue to be a problem with guys like Rivera. And so, what I see with Rivera is, and, and here's the thing. There were moments in that fight where he was doing some really nice work defensively. There were also some times when he got caught with shots where I was just like, wow, okay. That, I mean, if you're going to fight defensively, um, those are the shots you can't get hit with. But overall, you could see that he's got the talent there. The only issue, I think, is that there are just these these holes. There's these gaps in what, in what he's able to do in the ring, and that's where he's going to get caught that's where he's gonna that's where guys are gonna be able to hone in on and take advantage of
1: but like I well, saw, let, me, let me ask you a question uh-huh. how, how, how far do you think he is from world level from world
0: level potentially yeah. two fights maybe I think he's close enough to be at the, like let's let's be real here world level just means you are like you as as like the person who's answering this you look at that and say yeah he belongs in the ring with that guy And I think two or three fights, and I can say, okay, Rivera's done what he's got to do. He's got the wins. He belongs in the ring with a Lomachenko or a Devin Haney. That's not to say that you expect him to win, but does he belong in the ring? Yeah, I I think that he could be two or three fights away. But here's another thing that I want to throw out there. Rivera could have had a much easier time on Saturday night. But I think he fights in a way to please himself. And Colbert does the same thing. They fight in a way that want, that is to impress how they think they're supposed to fight. And in Colbert's case, it just wound up not being very interesting to watch. But in Rivera's case, that's where it looked like he was doing some of his, his worst work. Because he's moving around and trying to fight like Muhammad Ali. And in, there were moments where it looked good. But there were also moments where he was getting hit with like really basic stuff that he should not have been getting hit with and the thing is i think he has really good defensive instincts when they were in exchanges he was able to avoid getting sh- hit with shots and he didn't have to do anything fancy there was just that was the natural defense that he that he's already had drilled into him so i think it's up to herman caycedo to like let him know like that you can't do the 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 the, the, the cute stuff in there because that's just not your your natural way of fighting, and it's just gonna get you into trouble when you're trying to do something instead of just doing what's natural. So I'm not I'm so not down not, on him it's at not
1: all. Time for him to change trainers. No, I I think
0: and, and no, I think Herman did a really good job. Like you, you, in the fight, he like kind of yelled at him, and Rivera came out, changed things up, and I think a round or two later he got the knockout. So this is a case of I think he's with the right guy. And that guy is able to get through to him. I think the, the next step would be to just phase that out. Or, well, let him get it out of his system. Maybe one more fight. And then just completely phase it out.
2: I'd you... like to throw in that I uh, I saw on Twitter. I forgot who wrote this. But that um, Rivera was in and out of camp. Because his wife just had a, a baby. I think a baby boy. So he didn't have the most. Oh, you know, come on. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It matters. Like, if you only have eight weeks to pre- prepare for a fight i think that's a you know important element to take consideration of so
0: well i will say say this this then i'll say this then (laughs) At, at a minimum he was in fantastic shape and he made weight which is more than a lot of fighters can say when they're coming in here using all these things or not even saying anything about why it is that they were unable to make 135 or whatever uh rivera came in made weight looked great the stamina was good so it must not have had the biggest effect on him that it at least it could have. Uh, if you were to rate him as a prospect, how many stars are you giving him? Uh, so
1: fucking restaurant. <laughs>
0: it's, it's like we're rating like, the, you know, quarterbacks.
1: All right. I'd say he's three stars.
0: Damn. Not even getting offered a scholarship with that. Yeah, he's all right, but he's not real. Lex? It's like three and a half or
2: four. I can't really pick You yeah, just said two.
1: that you're very high on him. Now he's three and a half or four. four. No, but
2: wait, you got to leave room. Like, what, if a four, like, there's only five stars. Like, Tank is a five. He's not that. Tank ain't a prospect. He want to know he, as, as a prospect. prospect. Tank was a five, though. Jerron Boots, Ennis is a five. So what? Like, I I can't put him five. I can't put him four and a half. He's not close to Boots. Is he close to That's Sebastian a Fundora?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think so. Hell no, I think so. Yo, Fendora, oh boy, <laughs> Fendora, crazy. <laughs> oh boy, I can't wait till we see that one play out. No, Fendora is like a four, four and a half. Like Fendora is the guy that Fundura's the five star prospect. No, he's the guy that he's nah, gonna get that's offers. That's too late. He, he ain't can't just give out a five like. Like, what is Boots in a six out of five? Fondura's like, like he, the, he, he he's Boots like, is a five. Boots is like the, the Ohio State quarterback, like, prospect. Fondura's like. Ohio State quarterback suck, dude. All right, whatever. <laughs> but he's going to, like, a top school. He's going to Florida State. He's going to something like that. Um, I would say Fondura's, like, probably early commit to UCLA. Still gonna, still gonna play on TV still gonna play on TV oh wow did you think that fundura was gonna be what he is a year ago or two years ago yes this no this is a guy that has improved a lot check my timeline I will check your timeline because you're lying right now check my timeline you 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 first of all you probably weren't watching fundura when he was fighting on those fs1 undercars, going, going to war with journeyman my
1: timeline <laughs> me and Box Red Gray have been driving the Fundora bandwagon for God knows how long.
0: Shout out to Box Red Gray, who has his own podcast. Make sure you guys uh, listen to it, subscribe to it, leave him a five star review. Box Red Gray uh,
1: is a cool guy. He, he only records like once every couple months.
2: That's good. That's more time you podcast. can
0: listen to our podcasts. And then every so often, you listen to Box Red Gray. Can we can we do a, a
2: patron p- on rating prospects? Because like I want to like go all the way in on this, but I feel like it's all only
0: copy. only if we can. The only way that we're doing this is you, me, and Matt, and we gotta you gotta have your comp. Who is the I'm comp? Ready. And don't be oh, coming okay, at me with like no no no. This is like a this is Jalen Suggs. No no no. They gotta be already in the league now.
1: Yeah, but we don't we don't want to we don't we don't want to do this with you because you're full of shit, Angelo. No, no, you know, no. You're lying right no, now. I gotta you're to lying. The guys, no, I listened to you a few podcasts ago. Sure. And you were supposed to give me all these fantasy matchups about celebrity fights, and you never followed through with it. I was looking. Wait, 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 hold to on. That's
0: supposed to be me and Lex, and I forgot. All right, I do a lot of podcasts. Follow through with it. man. I do a lot. Look. We can add it to the. We can schedule it right now. Me no, and Lex. no, no, no,
1: no, no. That was your thing. I just wanted to hear it. Hold As on, listen I was just. I wanted to I hear. Was throwing the something You out. guys would come up with.
0: Wait, didn't we come up with a lot though?
1: You said you guys were gonna have like some fucking tournament, and I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I never followed up on it. All right, you're all like right. you're like the Funkmaster Master Flex of podcasting, man. My God, are you, are you I do these things. And you're not
0: delivering. I do like five podcasts a week. My God, I, I'm I. I can't remember this stuff. I need a damn assistant. God damn, these guys. It's just no. We got to do the we got to do the prospect rating though because I I think uh, someone's getting cussed out on it. Wait, did we? Did you guys even uh, rate Rivera? I did. Yeah, we both yeah, I, I gave him three. I right. said three and a half, four. I'll give him a four. Bridge the okay. gap between the two of you. I think, I think he's right there. Like as like a guy that if you squint and funny, funny enough, if you squint, it does look a lot like, he does look a lot like Muhammad Ali, but if you squint. He does.
1: I'm not going to lie. He did. He, was like, bro.
0: I, yeah. I was like, wow. This He's basically cosplaying as Muhammad Ali tonight and he's not yeah. doing a bad. See, this is the thing with Vera. What I really like about him is that if you squint, he looks like the real deal. He looks like. Everything that some people may say about him, but he just looks like a top guy or a potential top guy if you just squint a little. Now, once you get too close, you put your glasses on, you start to examine, you'll see that it, it's not all perfect. But I think even without that, you could you could still see like there is a path for him to be a guy. It's gonna. I think it's it's a long road, but I would not be shocked if Rivera wound up being a world champion. Not at all. And if he can just keep sleeping guys like that, I mean, he's must watch TV. All right. Unfortunately, we didn't get the Richardson Hitchens and Darwin Price fight. So that'll be uh, another day where we talk about Hitchens getting upset. So let's move on to the news. Yeah, I said that. Do you want me to say it again? I'm telling Leonard. Tell him. (laughs) Write it down. Call him up right now. (laughs) <laughs> I don't care. Darwin Price can fight. Richardson yeah. Hitchens. No. Anyway, I saw him in the Olympics. Woo. Mm, 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 mm.
1: What's next on the rundown, boss?
0: Javante Davis announced that he will be back in October. Now, since you want to bring up Leonard, let's say that we are fantasy. Uh, we are fantasy playing Leonard Ellerby. I'll be Al. We are playing promoter. What is the realistic plan for Gervonta's October fight, if that is indeed when he returns?
2: See, I was all excited about my tank plans, but you shot him before we started the podcast. You shot him down. What were they? The public don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We... To inform the public, I love the Gary Russell Jr. fight.
1: It's not happening. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Shoot that shit down again. I forgot about that. <laughs> all right.
0: There is absolutely 0% chance that Javante Davis is going to fight Mr. Gary Russell Jr. next. No shot. That is my take.
1: I agree. I I think Russell's going to fight Ray Ray Vargas Vargas on on the preliminary main event of the Spence versus Pacquiao in the card. Now,
0: let me explain to you guys why I don't think that fight is going to happen. It's because Javante Davis will never not fight on pay-per-view again. That is a pay-per-view attraction. He's not coming back to Showtime. He's not coming back to, or he's not gonna go to Fox. He's not gonna go to FS1. He's not gonna go to Showtime Extreme. Nothing. It is pay-per-view from here on out. And I don't think you can sell a pay-per-view with Gary Russell Jr. I just don't. Now
1: why, why, why? would you say something like that?
0: See, yeah, I think that. I think that can sell. It's it can't sell. It could start I no think it can sell.
2: better than fucking Barrios.
0: No one cares about Gary Russell Jr. Wow.
2: But see, okay. Let me let me speak on this because I remember having long debates with everyone in the patrons group about uh, Tevin Farmer, and everyone was saying that wouldn't sell. I think what we're losing sight of here is the importance of having an opponent that doesn't respect you. Tevin wouldn't have respected Tank, and Gary doesn't respect Tank or Floyd. So when you put him on the All Access show, and he's talking crazy about Tank, he's talking crazy about calvin ford and his teaching methods he's talking crazy about floyd you see him with all his eight brothers and they're all named gary russell it will look great on tv and it'll resonate in the community that loves tank and i think that definitely sells i not not only that
1: you have to remember that gary russell does very good numbers on social media meaning youtube like if you look at people's videos when it's related to gary russell jr it does numbers. It's because his family's got
0: 55 people in him.
1: <laughs> like, Not all his family watches. That's all his family watching. And this is a guy who has fought on Deontay Wilder's undercards. And when Deontay Wilder fights, it's all eyes on him. So I think that Gary Russell being on Deontay Wilder undercards it has has made him more popular than people give him credit for.
2: Okay. I I want to throw one more thing, too, man. Real quick, Angelo. I feel like people have this very, like, uniform view of what has to happen for a successful pay-per-view. Like, if it's a black dude, it has to be against a Mexican dude or a Latino dude or two black dudes can't do it or this can't do it and that can't do it. I think Tank is going to shatter a lot of those, like, what do you call myths, I guess? I think Tank... I think you could put Tank in versus whoever, me, you, Gary Russell, Mikey, uh, whoever is going to do good.
0: I like how How you named a fight that's like, I like how you named a fight that like actually follows the pattern and would be, I think, captivate a lot of uh, the imagination of most of the boxing public. And that would be Tank versus Mikey. Let me throw out the argument that I think you're trying to make and which I think is totally valid and is a, like 100 it is the selling point for or yeah it is probably the number one selling point for why you do you can do tank versus Gary russell and that is that the opponent does not matter people are tuning in for tank and here's the evidence for that tank versus leo santa cruz Leo Santa Cruz is a long established world champion in the state of uh, or in the sport of boxing who's fought on network TV, who's fought on Showtime. He has been in the public eye for a long time. He's been in high profile fights, he's fought on ESPN. Okay, somehow, some way, if we're to believe the reporting, but also we could just believe Steven Espinoza, who said, All by all metrics, the numbers are up for Tank versus Barrios. Any way you slice it, it is the numbers have grown which leads me to believe that if we looked on paper, is Mario Barrios more popular than Leo Santa Cruz? I would say, and I think you two would agree, absolutely not. Leo is a star in boxing and Mario Barrios, for the most part, is unknown. But the numbers seem to go up. And the common denominator there is Gervonta Davis. And I think if you just give us like our, you know, put your finger in the air and see which way is the wind blowing sort of thing. If we just look at Tank's popularity... It is on the rise. And so, I think it's pu- pu- very likely that Javante Davis... does. It does not matter who the opponent is. Whether it be Leo Santa Cruz, Mario Barrios, Gary Russell, Ryan Garcia, Deontay Wilder. It don't matter who it is. Tank is drawing in a fan base that is loyal to him. And maybe they are exclusive to him. And so, that is why... If you want to do Gary Russell, it can, like, you know what your baseline is. And everything after that is like, you're playing for what more could you do in addition to the baseline? And if you think, well, Gary Russell probably increases the baseline, then that is a fight that probably makes sense. I just don't see it happening from like a, I, I don't know that that's Logistically, the, f- the direction.
2: It doesn't make sense. you I'm saying?
0: I think Gary Russell has other options. And obviously, I know that he would love to fight Tank. But like he's also the, the longest reigning champion in boxing at 126. I think that probably means something to him. I think he'd probably want to beat Ray Vargas. and uh, And if anything, maybe it makes more sense for PBC to perhaps catapult Chris Colbert. And put him in with Gary Russell rather than putting Tank. Because I don't think Tank needs either of those guys at this point.
1: Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I I I think you're understating what a Tech versus Gary Russell fight would do on pay per view.
2: Also, for the listeners too, that's a that's a a rivalry, a state oh not state rivalry, but it's a DMV rivalry. Like I don't think a lot of people understand that, but like for any like uh, Duke versus, it'll be like a Duke versus North Carolina thing. Like the D M V, Baltimore, these people compete amongst one another, whether it be basketball, rap, music, fashion. So to have that profile on the highest stage possible, like that'll get, I think that'll resonate amongst tank fans. They'll understand it and they'll really buy into it. Okay. So who's Duke and who's North Carolina? I don't know the DMV that well, but, but to be honest, I mean, I think Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, Nolan Smith, as far as basketball goes, they're from like the same, same like township or something like that. I think it's Baltimore, but I'm not 100% sure. Or no, maybe it's DC. I don't know. Either way, That's it's a the great first rivalry. time anybody's great ever great said rivalry. those
0: three players in the same sentence.
2: I mean, listen, <laughs> one went to Duke and the other two were one and done, uh, college to NBA. And and they were both like top 3 picks. It's pretty amazing. Also, the, the Showtime did the documentary, Something in the Water. Just saying. Shout out to
0: Espinosa. Um, I, I think so realistically, if you know, you had to bet money. Who do you think tank fights in October? Ryan Garcia. Wow. Bold. Lex. I'm not
2: picking I'm I'm against Ryan. I don't I my, my chips are not on Ryan. Just wow. cause I don't think I don't think it'll happen that soon. Could be wrong, but
0: so who do you pick? I'm picking Gary. Oh
2: no, no, I'm about to say I'm not ready happening. to be wrong because it probably won't happen. I just have no idea who else it could be.
0: Uh that's pretty funny. After all that, <laughs> he goes Gary. <laughs> <laughs> no, because who
2: else could it be? Like Angelo. Who else? Ryan Garcia. Okay, no, but okay. Besides
0: them two, who else? Um, I could see Ryan Garcia happening. The only question would be, will Golden Boy be involved somehow? That's the question. Of course. Um, of course. Mm, we'll we'll keep we'll, we'll we'll keep our ears to the ground on this story. We'll move on. Manny Pacquiao's agency he signed with, Paradigm Sports, they filed a lawsuit against Manny Pacquiao, alleging that Pacquiao had no right to make a fight with Errol Spence and that there were multiple attempts to legitimately make a fight with Mikey Garcia in the Middle East uh, with Eddie Hearn that would have... Pacquiao sign a new deal for four fights and three or two or something like that. And uh, I think one of the major points of this is that Manny also was given a signing bonus, which they asked, for, asked to get back. And Manny said no. So my first question for you guys is, do you fear that Pacquiao and Spence, this fight that we're going to get in August, is in danger?
1: Uh, I'm going to say no for the simple fact that looking at um, the relief that Audi Atar and Paradigm Sports are active for, it it looks as if they don't really truly believe that they have uh, a valid ironclad contract with Manny Pacquiao. It seems like they're throwing shit against the wall, begging for different things and hoping that the judge grants them something. I think they're just looking for a piece of money from Manny Pacquiao. I don't really think they're trying to um, stop the fight. I just think they want to get like a little piece of it.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's how I read it too. Is that it looks like either they want their money back. Or, which probably is might wind up being more money than if they just got a cut of Pacquiao's purse for this fight. I don't know because they did give him quite a bit of money. But um, I, I agree, too. I don't think the fight is in danger. I also think that they wouldn't have waited this long. I think um, there are a lot of factors that are going on here that indicate that this is really just their play to get involved and not necessarily them really trying to stop this. Because I, I think they probably see it as, at a minimum, we do get a cut here. But how much is probably up to a judge? And... and that's really all all it is. I mean, reading through the thing is just a complete mess, by the way, guys. Like, I have not seen anybody. Oh, yeah. I've not seen anybody even do rem- a remotely good job at trying to summarize it because it's almost impossible. with, It's oh, like. Oh, no,
1: no, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. Who did? You need to follow my man, Ray Diggs, on Twitter. Uh, oh, Ray no, 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 Diggs no. Did a, they did. I mean, Ray yeah. Ray Diggs did an excellent job breaking it down. Let's give not Ray Diggs. Oh my God. His brother, Rich Diggs.
0: I'm sure that they Follow are Rich that. Diggs. I would say that that's not what I'm talking about in terms of like the, the legal part of it. I think that you can, there are some good breakdowns out there, but in terms of just the actual story of it is absolutely ridiculous. There are numerous people that are involved in this that believe that they are the ones making decisions for Manny Pacquiao. And it's like, wow. Yeah,
1: five different people are
0: counting. <laughs> it, it's, it's literally the story of Manny Pacquiao's life. It's like, geez, everyone's trying to make a fight for Manny. No one knows who's in charge. Everyone thinks that they're in charge. And it seems like the ones that got played were Paradigm because they thought that they were different. And it turns out that you're no different than any other... Um, I don't know, any other person that claims to have some say over what Manny Pacquiao is going to do?
1: So so two parts of the lawsuit was my favorite parts of the lawsuit. One, the day that Manny Pacquiao announced that he was fighting Errol Spence, Pam was under the impression that he was about to announce that he's fighting Mikey Garcia. And two, if you look throughout the entire lawsuit, there is one name... That is not mentioned anywhere in the lawsuit. And I'm surprised that you didn't pick up on it or talk about it uh, on last week's episode. That name is Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford. We don't got to kick a guy while they're down. Come on now. (laughs) He's not pictured anywhere in the lawsuit. (laughs) So, what happened to this deal in Abu Dhabi? That Bob Arum says that Manny Pacquiao agreed to. It's not even part of the lawsuit, which means it never happened.
0: Hey, man. Terrence Crawford was out here trading for a southpaw. (laughs) Uh, If there's ever a reason to really simp for the whole Terrence Crawford needs to leave top rank and get himself over to PBC so he can finally get some damn fights at welterweight, I mean, this is like, that is like the, that's what, that is the one thing you could take from this lawsuit is like, my God, they're screwing over Terrence Crawford.
1: Yeah. Because clearly nothing was agreed to. They said that they had signed paperwork and that it just didn't happen because of coronavirus. Well, where the hell is the signed paperwork?
0: Right. You would think that Paradigm would have mentioned that at some point.
1: Yeah. The only thing they mentioned was a tweet by Mike Coffinger.
0: (laughs) <laughs> i don't wow. like i kind of dragged into this
2: <laughs> I, I didn't bother reading the whole thing because when i heard it i kind of dismissed it i don't think anything of that nature is going to stop errol versus uh pacquiao maybe an injury but not these guys i mean like i see people reporting the ticket sales on twitter and it sounds like there's not even that many tickets left i anticipate that the fight will do over a million pay-per-views so like i don't i mean when when there are big fights like Arrow versus Pacquiao, like it, it takes a lot to stop that, you know that uh
0: that ball. Paradigm so. is just trying to hit a lick right here. They're like, <laughs> we got to get something out of this because we thought we had Pacquiao. By the way, Pacquiao tried to get out of this Paradigm agreement, and they kept signing like these addendums to the co- the original contract, which potentially did or didn't give the, uh, Pacquiao freedom to fight whoever he wanted. But, like, there was, like, no signatures that were signed. It's, it's, like, a complete mess of a situation. And I find it I find it hard to believe that Paradigm has any shot at really winning and stopping anything here. Other than maybe they get a little payout. But other than that, it, it, I mean, I would like to, like, just watch the judge read through this. And then see all the quote-unquote facts presented in court. Like, they thought that yep. they were going to announce a Mikey Garcia fight. It, they were shocked when Pacquiao announced that he was going to fight Spence. They thought he was going to announce the deal to fight Mikey Garcia. And they believed that there was an agreement, but like, there was never any contract signed. How do you believe a fight is going to happen if you don't have contracts? My God. These people. The funniest well, part to, people, to
2: me is like, thinking about all the times that Mikey Garcia was like, oh, we got the Pacquiao fight. It's done. It's done. It's done. That shit wasn't done, man. <laughs> they oh, say, my that God. You, you want to. There's well, that's, way not, to, that's
1: not the. um. That's not the only legal proceedings that Pacquiao has found himself in. Um, This one was brought up by him and his team. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is attempting to get the WBA to reinstate him as the welterweight super champion. Now, do you believe that this is going to happen? And and should they uh, reinstate him as as the super champion?
0: I think
2: they should. Of course it's going to happen. Like, one thing I don't like about boxing is I feel like we don't tell these stories properly. This is the last of the Mohicans. Pacquiao is the last one left from the Oscar De La Hoya Floyd of that time. Everybody's going to want to be in on it. So, of course, they're going to make Pacquiao the champ again. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: Yeah, but but you're saying it as if he doesn't deserve
2: to get his belt back. Is that what no, you're saying? No, no, no. It's, it's Of course he deserves, but but like even the fact that people are like questioning whether or not like he's definitely getting it. I, it's, it's Pac. This is a legend. He deserves it. He's that dude. I love you guys too. So shout to you guys. I kind of feel bad that he's caught up in this, but it's Pacquiao. I don't. You know, I don't.
0: understand. I don't, and I don't, I don't care whatsoever. Can we just retrace what's happened here? Manny Pacquiao won the regular, you know, the one that we don't recognize because Tank has it. That was the championship title that he held. He got from beating Lucas Matisse, who I believe got that from beating Tawakiram, who took a dive maybe in the first round. Okay. You know, blind Lucas Matisse, uh, who wound up getting stopped by Manny Pacquiao. That's the title that he held. Then, he fights Keith Thurman and beats Keith Thurman to get that title. Now, he's the super champion, Without question, Pacquiao's inactivity, I think, could one hundred percent be explained away by the pandemic. What did Ugas do to earn the WBA title, the welterweight title? Can somebody tell? Like, oh, oh, did he, did he beat, did he beat Abel Ramos? Was that what it yeah. was? He beat Abel Ramos. That, to me, is not a real world title fight. Like in terms of like. but what? Who cares? What you well, think hold on, about hold that? on. I'm I'm getting somewhere here. I'm getting somewhere titles. here. I'm getting somewhere here. It's Abel Ramos. Okay? Now, that was a vacant WBA title. The regular kind, not the super one, the regular one. They upgraded yes, him to the super. It
1: was vacant because
0: Pacquiao uh, Okay. They upgraded this guy because Pacquiao was inactive and 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 he was going to be back in action or whatever. Now, that's all cool. But the point I, I want to make is that the WBA just makes this up, and they they have no problem creating super titles and all this stuff. Just have them both be super champion. And I know some of you may be like, well, that's crazy. You can't have two. <laughs> but they do. So who cares? The WBA got three champions at 147 pounds. You have Jamal James. You have uh, your Dennis Ugas. You have Manny Pacquiao. They may even have another one that I don't even know about. And you know what? I think that's fine. Who cares? All right? Give it to Ugas, give it to Pacquiao, give it to Jamal James, order order one of them to fight each other, and then just move on. This is not a big deal. It's a WBA. No one should be stressing out over a WBA title. If you are, you're probably working for Ring Magazine, and that's fine. But, like, that's a waste of time. Reinstate Pacquiao as a super champion. Ugas, you're also the super champion. You guys got to—Ugas has to fight the winner. Problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs>
1: I don't think he, uh, that Pacquiao should have been stripped in the first place.
0: I don't either. So don't strip him though. Just say we don't. We didn't strip him. We're just yeah. Like, Actually, no, they didn't strip him. Did they you... they made him like the the champion recess, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah merited. The question: Why did they strip him? Is
2: my question. Because they claimed uh, that
1: they the stripped him all. for inactivity
2: during they the pandemic. The during the pandemic, activity, come on, but... come on, WBA.
1: Yeah, but I, even without the pandemic, how can you strip someone for inactivity when you didn't order a mandatory for them to fight?
2: I, I, I think there was more to it, man. I'm not going to go down conspiracy lane because I know Angelo doesn't always love that. Oh, you think it was
1: Al? You think it was Al? You think Al made that I, I, call? I, I, think,
2: I think there was some, you know what I mean, things going on. i oh, just say that. Yeah, he
1: They think that Al had him stripped because uh, he wasn't going to fight Spence, so they were going to have Ugas fight Spence. But then Ugas tried to ask for 50-50 and priced himself out. And Pacquiao came back into the fold. So they said, fuck it. Give Pacquiao the belt back.
0: I don't think that's what happened. I think it's re- really simple. Arrow's next fight was going to be against... you don't think that, Mr. PBC. Arrow's Boy, next fight was going to be against the WBA champion. Whoever held the super title, that was who Arrow was fighting. And the WBA was like, we'll make it happen. Don't worry. Is it Ugas? I, Is it that's, Ugas? that's close enough to my
2: theory. Close, that's
0: close enough but but also remember that when pacquiao got stripped it was when it was like i think everybody thought that he was gonna fight mcgregor and that's when the wba was like nah we 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 ain't gonna mess around with you like that
2: yeah or or, or ryan garcia or,
0: right. oh yeah actually it might have been the ryan garcia thing where they're like nah you we were with you on the mcgregor stuff but we're not with you on this ryan stuff you're done i was <laughs> no nah, i mean i, I okay, okay dan
1: I was listen. I, I, I would like to see Ryan Garcia versus Teg or Pacquiao.
0: Okay, Dan. But you don't care about Pacquiao versus Spence, right?
1: I do. I okay. like that fight. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna buy it on pay-per-view. I'm good. It is what it is, you know. Uh, listen, I wanna see any mix of big names. I am uh, a hardcore casual <laughs> I just wanted. I was to gonna call events, you, that. baby.
0: <laughs> I was gonna call you a casual right now, but you—that's perfect. And and but that is most people who think they're hardcore fans—they're hardcore casuals. There's like I'm so down for anybody with the name that I recognize. Yeah,
1: that's what I like. I like big fights. I like big events.
0: Lex is like, no, no, no. Give me that hero, Tokyo Gucci.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. uh, anyway, you trying to get me clipped? Moving on. After a very big mess between Nonito Donaire and John Riel Casimiro, it looks like we're back on for Casimiro to fight Guillermo Brigando, which was the fight that we thought we were getting in the first place. So I just want to give you guys this opportunity to voice any final thoughts you have so that you can find your own closure on the failure of the Donaire versus Casimiro unification. Lex, is there anything you want to say?
2: I mean, I'm just like, the whole thing was really disappointing. It was whack. Like, this is boxing. This isn't a, like, place where, like, this social justice energy gets praised. You might get praise from a couple people out there, but those people aren't even, like, favored. You Donaire, you looked whack, bro. Rachel, you were doing too much. It, it Initially, it seemed like a drug issue. But then that seemed to have gotten cleared up. Then they needed this big apology. It, it just got out of hand. It got ridiculous. No one cares. But I, I also think that there may have been there may have been some underlying things that the Donaire camp didn't mention. Should I get into it? Uh, this is the sure. podcast. Okay, let's let's do it. Okay, from and and I noticed this reading the comments on YouTube. And at some moments during their little YouTube, a uh, of, of,
0: of it was wisdom. Rachel and
2: Donaire versus the Silver Voice guy. A lot of people were coming at Donaire's realness as a, a Filipino person. And I think they the Filipino people side with casamero as like the go-to real Filipino. casamero is with Pac-Man. Pac-Man never really co-signed Donaire to my knowledge. And and these are things like I saw on YouTube comments and stuff like that, and it, it may be a case where Donaire didn't want to share the shine with the people's champ, and I, I I don't think that's that outrageous. I don't know what you guys think, but
0: I don't think that's outrageous at all. It reminds me a lot of the stuff that Oscar De La Hoya had to deal with, where or and, and I think more recently Mikey Garcia, where some Mexican fans weren't. Didn't fully embrace them like say the way they do Canelo because it's like no 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 you're Mexican American which is distinct from being Mexican so I I can see I I can like you know I can see that using the past like another example did you have more
2: I mean I, I, that that was it to be honest like just it, it you know if that's a if that's a sensitive spot for Donaire. I could I could see why they didn't want this fight. And he not to say he's scared, but if he doesn't appreciate being looked at as like a fake Filipino, and I'm not calling him that because I don't know anything about Filipino culture. I'm just reading things. But if he didn't like that, I could definitely see why he didn't want the fight. I, I I I still hope it happens. I hope they can figure it out. Cause I think it's a dope fight. But that's just my take on it.
0: Matt, you have any final uh, thoughts on this uh the failed um, fight? Uh let me just
1: preface this by saying once again, the views expressed by me are by me only. Please do not hold the Sunday punch accountable for what I'm about to say. When have you ever heard of an apology being required as a condition of a fight to take place only because a woman is involved? And also... (laughs) This is why you can't trust cucks and swingers. Oh my God. Okay? Because, oh my God. Because this woman, this woman has Nonito Donaire by the fucking balls. Like, honestly, when I was watching their video together, it looked like a hostage video. I wanted to say, Nonito, blink if you need help. <laughs> That, that, that That's really what I saw. I, honestly, I was disgusted. Even Rocky Balboa, when Mr. T said, why don't you come see what a real man is like, did Rocky Balboa say, I need an apology before I can fight you? When Ricardo Mayorga told Oscar De La Hoya all these sorts of foul things about his wife, did Oscar needed an apology before he fought him? No, he did not. Why are the Donaires any more special? They're not. They are not. Uh, and I'm done with the Donaires. I'm done with Nonito. I'm done with Rachel. I don't ever want to see them again. And I hope, I hope, whatever move they try to make next, I hope Al Heyman blocks it just for them fucking up this event and basically embarrassing the PBC family because Tom Brown and Richard Schaefer worked hard to put this fight together at the request of Nonito Donaire, And then he turns around and shits on them just because his fucking wife Got her feelings hurt. If you can't take the heat, stay in the kitchen. And, and, and I, I want to jump so in real quick. Serious when I say that.
2: My bad. man. I'm sorry. I cut you off, bro. My bad. Now you can jump in there. Uh, I just want to say I thought what Nonito did was very unprofessional, man. Because you know, coming off the uh, the Inoue fight, I don't know really where Donaire's popularity stood. You know, he took a tough loss. It was a good fight. But he wasn't really someone that people were excited about. Showtime gave him an amazing platform to, like, rocket himself back into the conversation. He had an amazing exactly. fight. Everybody was celebrating him. You know, he's the oldest guy to win a championship in that weight class, Hall of Fame career. He did it clean, this, that, and the third. And I'm this is grateful. how you repay all the people you that helped you get back into the conversation. Grateful. I thought I'm that was It's not like, him. Because he doesn't have any balls.
1: It's the wife. It's the woman. It is the woman, and she needs. She is the new Jen Mosley. She needs to go. <laughs> she needs to go. And, and I hope Angelo doesn't edit this out because I'm so serious. <laughs> I, I'm so serious. I, like I'm so angry at this because because Knucklehead, Sean Gibbons treated Rachel Donaire the same way he treats any other man in boxing, okay? To me, that is the ultimate sign of equality and respect. So don't try to weaponize your pronouns against us. Don't do that. I don't care if you're a woman. What LL Cool J said, female rappers too. I don't give a fuck, boo. Any of y'all can get it. If you want to be seen as equal, if you want to be taken seriously as a business person in boxing, then don't try to weaponize your vagina to get a fight that you claim is going to be the biggest Filipino fight in history. Don't get that fight stopped. Over what? Six days? Six fucking days. The fight was announced on June 19th. Casimiro turned in his paperwork June 25th. That is six days. Do not make it seem like Casimiro was ducking drug testing because it's just not true. Six days does not mean you're, drug- you're ducking drug testing. And then this is coming from people... They have a relationship with the biggest dope dealer in United States sports history, Victor Well You know what? Fuck this. (laughs) Let's move on.
0: I I think (laughs) the... First of all, Al Heyman ain't blocking nothing here. They bring this up. He'll be like, who? Remind me again. Remind me again who we're talking about here. Oh... Okay, yeah, thanks. Let's. Can we get back to talking about tanks next fight? That that's probably how that conversation goes, because I think in the reality, in the grand scheme of things, this is one hundred percent an issue that hardcore boxing fans were concerned with, and you can tell. Uh, we obviously care about it, and those of you listening. But like, the difference making public, in terms of boxing fans, probably didn't know anything was going on here. And so this wasn't going to be a big fight. Uh, the numbers probably wouldn't have been great. And it is a really specialized fight in terms of like, this is a unification, uh, the you know, between two Filipino world champions. I don't think that that was branching out in terms of like some breakthrough number for Showtime. So, you know, at the end of the day, this was very much um, family business in terms of for boxing fans, but didn't make the biggest impact. And did we not get... Are we not getting a fight that we probably... What we really wanted to see? Yeah. But the potential fallout from this could be... And it, one half, we know we're going to get Casimiro versus Rigondeaux. Which I think everybody can can look at and say, Yeah, I'm excited about that. But then the other side is... Well, if you do Donaire versus Inouye two, There are certainly people that will be happy with that fight. I personally don't think that that fight will be competitive. I think Nonito caught lightning in, in a bottle in that first fight... But I think way will be better in the rematch and probably finishes Donaire in a way that he was not able to in the first fight. But are the hardcore boxing fans going to be pleased with this? I, I think so. So, I don't, you know, there are elements of what you said I think are true. There are elements of what you said that people won't hear that are true. And there's also some stuff that, I don't know, I don't think there were any innocent parties here. I think, I, I definitely would agree that I don't think anything malicious on Casamero's team other than actual just trolling was happening. And this is uh, a situation where your internet, internet humor goes a little too far. Anyway, moving on. We have learned that a five-star recruit in Sebastian Fundura, according to Matt, <laughs> he's going to headline a Fox card, his first headline on August 7th, against Sergio Garcia at the well it's supposed to be at the Army in Minnesota but someone tweeted out that it's potentially going to be in LA. I'm fairly like 99 percent confident it'll be at the Army in Minnesota. What do you make of this fight? Do you think this is a step in the right direction for Fundura Matt, you want to go first since Fodora is your boy?
1: The excellent fight first of all it it, it stays in line with what Fundura has been doing. He, he hasn't been able to secure the top guys, but he's beaten the best of the rest. He, he yeah. beat Nathaniel Gallimore. He beat Jorge Cota. Now he's going to fight Sergio Garcia, who is an undefeated champion from Spain, who, um, well, I'm not going to say is known by boxing fans, but by the hardcores, he's best known as the guy who uh, beat the hell out of Ted Cheeseman um, on a matchroom card a couple years ago. He also beat Rapchenko, which is a decent victory. That might be a name that some hardcore fans know. And-, and Sergio Garcia, to me, he is a an excellent boxer. And I think that this is going to be a great test for Sebastian Fundora, And I anticipate that he is going to continue his upward trajectory and eventually he's going to dethrone whoever is the WBC 154 pound champion.
0: I don't know that Sergio Garcia is an excellent boxer. Um, He is. I would reserve that for somebody like, I don't know, Canelo. But is he pretty competent? Can he navigate his way around the ring? I think Garcia is a perfect step up for Fundora at this point. He's like the he's where where Garcia sits right now is probably could fight for a world title, but he's not done the what he needs to do to actually position himself where that's going to get forced. And so because he's fought mostly in Europe, I think exclusively in Europe. He's not in position to fight for a world title. And that's like just sort of a logistical thing in terms of doing what the sanctioning bodies want you to do. So I think this is a really good fight for Fandora because realistically, I think him and Garcia are at the same point in their careers, which is one fight away from a world championship. And I think Garcia, well, I mean, it's so weird to like break down any fight in terms of how it plays out with Fundora because it's like, okay, this guy's never faced somebody that looks like Fundura. Fundura has definitely fought guys that look like him. And really, the question here is, will the boxing skills of Sergio Garcia make any difference whatsoever? Because we know what Fundura brings to the ring. If he wants to the pressure, there's not much you can really do to get away from him because his arms are so long. He's going to get himself into range pretty easily. So I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's probably thus far going to be the best main event that Fox has done all year. I think it's a step in the right direction. And I mean, we're going to see if Fundora really could fulfill what you say, which is that he's a five-star recruit. Alex, anything for you?
2: No, to to be honest, I'm not too familiar with uh, Garcia, but I I do love Fundora. So I'm looking forward to it. I was kind of eyeing Garcia's box wreck for a second. Uh, I mean, you can't tell much from that, but I, I didn't see any wins that were like, okay, wow, like that catches my eyes, like whether it was like a big KO or a big name that he beat. But um, I, I think like he, is young too. He's, he's only 23, I think, or 24. So to continue to get guys that are like undefeated, um, <clears throat> experienced, a bit older, show up to win, those are the kinds of things that Fundor needs to continue to develop into a, <clears throat> a five-star fighter. So I like it. I like so it. I like Pat
1: it. Cheeseman's not a big enough name for you?
0: No, because he's uh, awful.
2: <laughs> nah, man. All the, listen, don't get me started on the UK, man. I don't. I, I don't want to walk down that valley
0: right now. T- Ted Chudmman can't fight. That's the plain and sh- the short and sweet of it. He can't fight.
1: Yeah, but people thought he could fight until he fought Sergio Garcia. He got the hell beat
0: out of him. Who? Who's people? British people. It? Well, okay. Well, no. They. They. You're talking to me. You're talking to me. And I'll tell you if somebody's good. <laughs> Ted Cheeseman, no. Sergio Garcia, good little fighter. Ted Cheeseman, absolutely not. No, no, not, not even close. Okay. Uh, all right. Then staying at one fifty four, there's been some chirping going on that I saw that Kevin Cunningham potentially talking about a fight between Erickson Lubin and Danny Garcia. Whoa. What do you guys think about that, Lubin and Garcia? That would be a, a jump up in weight for Garcia. It'd be his third weight class. You know, he was a champion, a unified champion at one forty. He's a champion at one forty-seven. Uh, coming off a loss to Errol Spence, do you guys like a Lubin and Garcia matchup?
1: Honestly, great matchup. Uh, uh, this is the first I've heard of it, and and and, and when you said it, I, I got excited. I really? really did.
0: It moved a little. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the flagpole went up a little bit, man. I'm telling you right now, that would be an excellent matchup. And I think that it would either be the end for Danny Garcia or it would be a star-making fight for Eric Salubin.
0: Wait. I think it'd be the both like it'd be, it'd be both of those. <laughs> it'd be both of those, wouldn't it? <laughs> like if Lubin so, no, starts, he's saying he's picking Erickson Lubin to win. <laughs> no, no, but it sounds like uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I well, it would be both. Okay, I'm gonna say this. I I saw it and I was intrigued in the way I'm intrigued when I see pairings between fighters whose names I recognize. Which, granted, is more names than you two, but when I see two names that I recognize paired together and I've never thought of that combination, there's always like a level of intrigue that I have. Like you know, if you talk about boxing all day long, you've basically talked about every potential matchup that could play out. I've never thought of this one before. That intrigued me. In terms of the fight, I actually, mm, I don't, I don't really care for it. I, I think, what? I think in terms of names, it would be interesting, but. I think we need to see Danny get a win at 154 first. Um, Why?
1: Lubin could be the win.
0: I think Lubin is coming into his own now. I I really like the Rosario fight and what I saw from Lubin. And I know he got hurt in that fight. But I think Lubin is breaking out of the fear. Because he always struck me as a guy who fought scared after the Jermel loss. He struck me as a guy that fought scared of opening up and scared of doing anything that could potentially get himself knocked out. And that's made him not very fun to watch and has limited what he can do offensively. In that fight with Rosario, I feel like Lubin broke out of his shell. And we are going to see uh, like the best version of Lubin that we have not seen thus far. Or no, we haven't seen since he was a prospect. That guy, I don't know that I want him to fight Danny Garcia next. I think I want him to get a win over... A solid 154 pound fighter but on the other hand i totally see your point and like the the promoter in me is like this is perfect this is the kind of fight that elevates lubin and does what you say is the star making performance and i think danny garcia is the type of style that potentially matches up as a sort of breakout win for lubin i also think it could be very yeah, dangerous What happens
1: if if, if- Danny Garcia hits him with that no look left
0: fuck. Now that's the thing. I also think that that potential is not only scary but also the intrigue of the fight and it's what you sell this fight on is that Lubin got hit with a shot by Jamel Charlo. He did not see coming and it was the end of him. If he's if if you look at any of his opponents since then and then to Danny Garcia, this is the first guy that you think he can land one of those shots. My one thing with
2: Lubin right now is I don't think that, like, I think you would have to stop him. I don't think if you, like, say Danny lands and doesn't stop him, I'm, I'm taking Lubin. I don't I, I think Lubin is at the point where his skills are so good. And if he has a shaky chin, he's aware of that. So he's going to be prepared to, to grab, to move, to jab out of it, or whatever. I, I don't think Danny could just stop him with one big shot. So I, I don't even think Angel says yes to that fight, honestly. Now, Whenever I think it, of Danny, I think of Angel. And Angel is one of the best matchmakers in the sport. Love him or hate him. And I don't now, think Angel was
1: Keeping huh? it with the theme that uh, Angelo was saying earlier, is Danny Garcia a guy that needs a new trainer?
0: Nah, nah, nah. Th- that, that's one of those instances where it's possible somebody could be better on an X's and O's thing. But I think, one, Danny Garcia ain't improving anymore. He is over thirty, I think. Danny is like look, thirty three. I'm, I'm, I'm already looking at riding off into the sunset. Da- Danny's probably like, look, I made Al Heyman checks my whole career. I may not. I, I don't need one more run. I need a couple more fights, and that's about it. Now,
1: do if you he- think Danny Garcia cares about getting in the Hall of Fame?
0: No, he's
1: in. He's in. I he's, think he does.
0: I I think he was also a unified champion at 140 pounds. That probably gets him in there. Um, he's definitely in. Has to be. But I, I think first and foremost is securing the bag. And I think Danny Garcia done that. And if he can do it one or two more times, that's good enough for him. Now, naturally, I think he would want another r- run. But I don't think that's like holding him back. And then, But more importantly, I don't think he's just going to improve. I think we've seen what we need to see out of Danny Garcia. The only improvement that is going to happen is fight, how to fight at a at a slower pace as an aging fighter. I don't really think that you need a new trainer for that. And then just pure and simple, the combination of Danny and his dad, like you just can't break that up. Like boxing needs that, so I don't see that ever changing. If Danny Garcia was like twenty seven or something, okay, maybe I'd, I'd entertain that conversation. But I just don't think like it's even worth it at this point.
1: That's that's a good point. Uh I did fumble what I was saying earlier. I do think Danny Garcia would beat Lubin. You know, the way I made it sound like I made it sound like I think Lubin's gonna win. I think Danny Garcia is gonna knock him out <laughs> if that fight happens. You're kidding. No, I think listen, you 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 claim that, that Lubin is coming to his own and he's not fighting scared. Yep. I saw a scared little boy in that Rosario fight still. It I was Rosario who was who a scared little does boy. He doesn't trust their chin. He, I, doesn't, he doesn't trust their chin.
0: Rosario doesn't trust his midsection. Yeah, well, that's different. I legit you know, think, that's never probably,
1: That's probably a nutritional issue because he grew up in DR, dirt poor, eating platanol all his life. So he probably he doesn't have the nutrition of a top-shelf athlete, and that's showing at the highest level. And I think that that's something really, that we that's have what to it look is, at with huh? all these Dominican fighters.
0: Hmm. I don't know about that, but I could see it.
1: Man, you ain't no athlete like I'm an athlete, man. Come on, man. I've been an athlete all my life. Trust me. Nutrition matters.
0: I know, it I, matters, man. I know nutrition matters, but I don't know that that was at play. You probably I don't think that soccer. was at play for Jason Rosario. Oh, but, okay. I mean, the question I put down here, and I think you just kind of answered it, I put, do you think taking this fight, you know, Lubin taking on Danny Garcia is more or less dangerous than any other 154-pounder that he could face in the meantime before he gets a shot at Jermell, who's the current WBC champion, but could be Costano at some point?
1: No, 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 no. The most dangerous fight he could take is Sebastian Fundora, because Fundora will fly his head off. <laughs>
0: Maybe. Um... I really want to see what happens when Fundura fights somebody who can jab. He's fought mostly guys who engage in the type of fight that he wants. And that is some excellent matchmaking from Samson and team. But we have not seen somebody, Fundora, in there with somebody who can box. So that, I mean, that would be a really intriguing fight to get. And it seems like if... The WBC champion does not fight Lubin next. We may get that fight ordered between Lubin and Fundora if he beats about our uh, Sergio Garcia.
1: Well, according to um <clears throat> uh according to the reports Fundora versus Garcia is a WBC eliminator. So does that mean it's uh semifinal where the winner faces Lubin for the mandatory or does that mean that they're going to be fighting for the second a mandatory position.
0: Now, that's the kind of thing that um, we're not going to figure out here. But it it sounds kind of dumb when you're having an eliminator. remember
1: they tried to do that with uh, Dillian White and Luis Ortiz when they ordered that fight. Because Brazil wasn't ready to mandatory. And they wanted uh, Dillian White and Luis Ortiz to fight for the second mandatory.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what the situation here is. But... um... Seems like that's essentially what is happening. Yeah. All right, let's get into some quick things now. There's a rumor out there that despite talk about a lot of other opponents, we are going to get Dillian White versus Jermaine Franklin here in the U.S. Is this a fight that you're interested in? No. Why not?
2: Hell yeah. There's only one fighter in the history of my life watching boxing that I hate more than Dillian White and I will do everything in my power to prevent him from getting any traction in America. No, I hate Dillian White. Well, then this fight is
0: perfect for that because Jermaine Franklin is not fun to watch. Uh, What what about you, Matt?
1: Listen, whenever you got two big sloppy men bumping meat, count me in. I'm all for
0: it. All right. I, I can't stand really watching Jermaine Franklin, so I'm not that interested in this. Uh, I just, he was one of those guys. I'm like, I, I've seen him a couple of times. And I'm like, man, if I, I just will not watch his fights unless he somehow gets to like a main event level on TV. But other than that, I have no real interest in watching this guy fight. So I'll Look watch it. it. He's been losing weight.
2: Okay. But, I mean, that's Let's good. let not forget. Um, not
0: all of us could say that in this not- pandemic
2: man listen that fight is weak the fight is it's a listen dillian White's supposed to be a top five guy he should not be i've never even seen the dude fight this should not be what dillian white is doing first of all second of all this is being positioned so dillian white can cloud chase all these american fighters dillian white needs to grow up and stand on his own two feet and stop cloud chasing dudes that he never wants to fight like it's so crazy the way his whole career has played out he should have fought Joshua a while ago.
0: He did fight and instead Joshua a out. And doing the, the rematch? admirable
2: thing, which is staying on your own two and creating your own career. He just cloud chases Andy Ruiz, Wilder, now Charles Martin. Uh,
0: I mean, you're down bad if you're a cloud, chasing All he Charles does is Martin. cloud chase.
2: I don't, you know, I know there's going to be well, people out there who say you don't like him because you like Wilder. And I do like Wilder. But I don't, if Wilder never existed and Dillian White was still cloud chasing like this, I would still hate him the same.
1: Well, if if it you're a real fighter, better, you
2: don't clout chase like that.
1: Create your own career. If it makes you feel any better, Lex, I don't think the fight is actually going to happen. I Why hope don't you right. think it's going to happen? Because where's it going to be
2: at? Where does Dillian White sell at in
1: Tulsa. the U.S.?
0: Tulsa.
2: Oh, my God. You know, but this, this is the thing. Eddie Hearn is so pathetic and whack that he'll do it just in the event that if Wilder wins, which I'm saying he will, that they could continue to clout chase Wilder or clout chase Andy Ruiz, like it's just whack, mm-hmm. man. Just, I don't just think do so.
0: I-, I think that there are other factors, bigger factors at play here. Uh, namely, that they need to have a couple of US dates a year, and you can't have Andrade and um Devin Haney fighting eight times a year. So, I think that's what that is. We they got to fill some dates. And they think Dillian White, well, he's the biggest thing we got here in the UK, might as well put him over there. And also, it allows them to keep Dillian White uh, off of Sky because he's not part of the deal and still can potentially fight on Sky. If they put him in the US, that puts him on the service in the UK. So I'm just throwing that out there for you guys.
2: Um, I like that take. That's a great take. Thank you.
0: Josh Warrington, my guy, will be getting his rematch with Mauricio Lara... After a devastating loss earlier this year, do you think it's right for Warrington to go straight into the rematch? I mean, he's had some time to heal because from the injuries that he sustained in their first fight. But do you think that this was is the right move for him to go straight into the rematch?
1: He's gonna get his ass beat.
0: All right, so I I'm gonna interpret that as no, it's not the right uh, move. Well,
1: because you gotta look at it, you gotta look at it this way. What 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 have we seen from the first matchup that makes us think? That that he could win the second matchup, but not only that, I compare this to Amir Khan when Amir Khan got his head flown by Brees Prescott. He he was smart enough to just move on. If I was Josh Warrington, I would just move on and pretend it never happened. No one's going to think about it anymore because it's not like Mauricio Lara is some big name that everyone's always going to bring it up. They're just going to think, oh, this fluke thing happened and and now Josh is back. But because he is is too stupid and Eddie Hearn is too stupid, they're about to shorten Josh Warrington's career to the point where I would be surprised if Josh Warrington um, fights for another two years. Because I think he's going to get the hell beat out of him. And then he's gonna have his farewell fight in Leeds, and then he's gonna retire.
2: But, but th- real quick, that's what Eddie Hearn does. He he breaks his toys. He, he, yeah. He, you know that's what spoiled kids do. They break their toys and buy a new one. Every fight, every fighter he has that loses, that's not supposed to lose, he runs it immediately back. And if they lose, it's like, oh well, whatever. I mean, that's what he did with Cal Brook. what He did with Dillian White. I sometimes the- you
0: win. Sometimes you lose. Oh well. The Con Prescott thing is actually really interesting. And I think it, like, in certain situations, that doesn't apply. And I think you do need to do a rematch because of potentially that you can't get over that loss. But this is a perfect example where 100% you're right. You don't have to do this rematch. And the IBF specifically made this so easy by stripping Josh Warrington. There's no reason to do this fight now because it's not like Lara has his title. Warrington didn't have a title going into this fight. So there's really nothing you gain by by uh, doing the rematch other than saying, well, I avenged my loss. But I don't and think... And
1: who gives a shit because who the fuck is Mauricio Lara? Exactly. Nobody
0: cares. I don't think anybody's holding it over uh, Josh Warrington that he lost to Lara. And furthermore, I don't think he was popular to the extent that a loss really diminished any level of his stardom. I don't think he had it like that. He's always going to be popular in Leeds. And I think overall in the UK, probably people didn't even see this happen because he got beat in the middle of a pandemic. So I think that probably you could have avoided the rematch for a little while. But I also think that what's also at play here is that Eddie Hearn is in the middle of courting Eddie Reynoso and Canelo... More specifically, Eddie Reynoso, because he thinks that that is how you influence Canelo. And Mauricio Lara is one of those guys that if you get this guy into position, uh, that bodes well for your relationship. And so I think maybe Josh Warrington is the sacrificial lamb here. Assuming you think that this is about to go. You hate to see it. This is about to go exactly the same way. And, and, I, and I picked, and I'll mention this later, but I picked Lara to beat Warrington. Uh, Warrington's problem is that he fights in a style where he don't have the power to really be effective with that against dogs like Maurice Laura in the ring. And so I do think Warrington loses the rematch. If he wins, it'll be because he can stay on his feet for 12 rounds. And, you know, we get a sketchy decision. Yeah, that's about it. Moving on. Yeah, we, we talked that one all the way through. Marius Bradis, the former World Boxing Super Series loser and winner, is going to Who heavyweight.
1: Move what on. Is a ceiling?
0: Can he beat Dillian White?
1: Nobody cares. Where's <laughs> Latvia anyway? No, nobody cares. I, I legitimately. What's this guy like? He's like thirty six. How old is this guy?
0: That's a good question.
1: I don't know. Like thirty six years old. Is he really? He looks yeah. younger. Dude's like 36. Wow, he is 36. Oh,
0: he's only six what? one. He's only six one. And he's six one. Come yeah, on, man. Can't
2: cancel, cancel that. It's a rap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heavyweight.
0: Mm. He'd be better off fighting a heavyweight, but also saying, Canelo, come up. You know you know no, his I, is?
2: I would
1: love you know who I would love to see him fight? Um who who's that um Neanderthal that fights for match room? Uh Dillian White's fighter. It's like real vicious heavyweight. Uh, Babbage.
0: Oh, that's what that. That that'd be a, that would be a good fight. Well, Braze can box, so I don't know if it'd be it'd yeah. be an inter It could potentially could be explosive. Potentially could be boring. I could see it going both ways. But the see that's that's good matchmaking right there. Where you just get two names, it's like yeah, those two names sound good together. Braze yeah. and and Babbage. That's a good fight right there. Um, speaking- just
1: thrown on the undercard somewhere.
0: They're just just headlined it in, in uh, Latvia. Can't go wrong. <laughs> Devin Alexander is making his long-awaited return to boxing against Lucas Santa Maria. Is this a good fight? I think it'll be good for uh-huh.
2: Lucas Santa Maria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Santa Maria coming off Alexander's of a fine.
0: unanimous decision loss to Paul Kroll, which I thought was way closer than some of the scorecards had it.
1: Well, a lot of people thought that Santa Maria actually won the fight.
0: I could, I could see that. I, I thought that two of the judges were kind of crazy with their cards that night. They, they both had it nine one, and uh, I, I didn't see it playing out that way at all.
2: Santa Maria is a good little fighter, and like, I'm under the impression that uh, Devin Alexander's punch retention will be completely trash. So, like, you know, good for him to get a quick like, like this would be like Kirkland versus uh. What's the dude that just fought Charlo? Montiel. Yeah, this will be currently Montiel part two.
0: So Santa Maria wins this and fights Ugas?
2: (laughs) Okay. I mean, maybe. I, I definitely see Alexander getting stopped. And that'll be a nice little, like, get your name out there performance for him.
0: All I'm saying is that hopefully they don't let Devin Alexander make any public appearances on Fight Week where he gives his opinions on anything.
1: Hey, listen, if they if they can have Chris Colbert uh, giving his opinion, then we can talk about uh, Devin Alexander, his opinion on
0: buttholes. <laughs>
1: Who cares? Uh,
0: yeah, Devin Alexander. And, uh, yep. The WBA changed the purse split for Morrell versus Ryder, which, you know, everyone obviously assumes that David Morrell is ducking John Ryder. The purse bid was originally set for 75 25 It's now 60 40 is this fair or foul?
2: Lex? I was actually going to like point this one to you. Um, I remember before when it was first announced that Ryder wouldn't be fighting, you were really into this. I'm curious to see what you have to say. Well, the thing is, I think it's kind of messed
1: up what the WBA is doing because what has John Ryder proved as a, as a commercial entity that he deserves to have a 60-40 split? Usually, when they change the purse splits uh, to make it a little bit closer, it's usually because the opponent um, is big commercially to the point where they feel like it's unfair. And I don't see that with John Ryder. John Ryder hasn't sold a ticket in the United States, and we just saw what David Morrell did in Minneapolis. He had that place rocking, and that place was packed. We even had, had Deuce there, Ranger Rollins. Come on, man. I saw him front and center. You think I ain't recognize him, but I saw him front and center uh, in, in one of the first few rows. So David Morrell, to me, is already a bankable star in Minneapolis. Where is John Ryder a bankable star at in the United States? Because that's where the fight's going to take place at, unless you think Eddie Hearn's going to bid a whole bunch of money on it.
0: No, I think you have a really valid point there. Uh, I'm I'm curious if maybe this was a concession that Morel's team made in order to get uh, the fight with... God, I can't even remember his name. Cazares. Maybe it was a concession they made to get that fight done and wait for later in the year before they do that fight. I don't know. I think maybe matchroom petition and said, we will not do this fight unless it's 60-40. But I, I don't know because I feel like the WBA could have easily just said, okay, then fine. You're not going to get the fight and we won't order it.
1: Yeah, but the WBA loves Eddie Hearn. Lest be forget, the WBA is the same organization that out of nowhere, when it looked as if Deontay Wilder had Anthony Joshua cornered for a fight, out of nowhere, they ordered Pavetka versus Joshua. So, Eddie Heard does have some pull with the WBA. And our very own Ranger Rollins, a.k.a. Deuce, he did report that the reason why the fight did not take place when it was supposed to was because Matchroom was very upset with the purse split, and they Um, basically petitioned the WBA to change the purse split. Now, if you noticed, John Ryder hasn't fought, but David Morrell has fought. So what I believe happened was the WBA said, you know what, we're going to take this petition under advisement. In the meantime, David Morrell's like, well, hell, I want to fight. I was supposed to fight June 27th, which is when John Ryder said he was going to fight. I'm supposed to fight well, you can have this fight, uh, we'll give you an exemption and, until we can decide on what we're going to do with the purse split.
0: I Yeah, I definitely think that that is possible. I do think that the rules are the rules, and unless both sides agreed on a changing of the purse split, probably shouldn't have happened. I mean, what was the evidence that would have gotten presented that would cause a, a 15% swing in the purse? That, to me, is kind of crazy. Is it a 15% swing? I don't think so. I think yes. it's a little
1: well. Twenty-five to the difference is, 15%. is
0: the difference is fifteen, but I don't know that the percent, uh, the like the increase in the purse that Ryder got, I don't think is fifteen percent. It's actually almost fifty.
1: Well, I was told there'd be no math on the podcast, so <laughs> you're talking to the wrong person.
0: You, yeah, I, I'm with you on there. Uh, it's less than three weeks away from Wilder Fury three. How does Wilder look? Look, I don't know how he looks, okay? We've seen very sparse clips of him. Who knows? The big question I want to know is, who is the third man? There's supposed to be another person coming into camp. I don't think it's been revealed yet. Do either of you know who this third man is?
2: I don't know, but do you want my guess? Yeah. Me and Tom were discussing this earlier. This is really spicy. Deontay Wilder is going to bring. Dun, dun, dun freddie roach into the camp oh my god no fucking way
0: close, yes, a, close the door on this guy freddie no roach way. he's training manny pacquiao right now listen man he's not he going to alabama dude, listen 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 the
2: dude isn't there yet if he's not there now he's clearly not going to be there for a large portion of all the right, whole situation all right, all right. Talk, walk, walk me down this street with you why, why freddie roach why, why not Freddie Roach? He was with uh, Fury in the first fight. You forgot about that.
0: I didn't and, forget. And,
2: and and mysteriously, Freddie Roach decided he wanted no parts of the camp. I wonder why. And you know what I've been saying since last year this time. I wonder why Freddie Roach wanted no parts of the camp.
0: I thought you were going to pick gonna... somebody far more interesting. That's very interesting. It's not interesting. Freddie I to
1: Coach Roach.
0: I, I thought you were going to be like Floyd Mayweather.
1: No way. Not no, no, a no. lot of... He's more likely to slap the hell out of Floyd Mayweather than to bring him into his camp.
0: No, but I thought that when you set that up, set it up like that, I thought we were gonna get something like, okay, yeah, that's really. I would have never guessed that. Uh, oh come on,
2: that's that's crazy. Because guess what? If Fury bought stupid Breland Long, everyone would be going
0: nuts. Like th- that is this. Well, yeah, it's kind of like when. Uh, yeah,
1: but Breland's his longtime trainer. Who's been Fury's longtime trainer? I guess if he brought a long time trainer, and we would be going. If you brought
0: Fury's uncle or dad in, I mean, that I would mean, maybe, be. <laughs> maybe he will bring that uncle in because the uncle seems to be like. I don't want to say against Fury. No, isn't but it the dad like... who's been like super, like kind of not that happy? Because it was his dad who was like, "Yeah, he's surrounded He's not surrounding himself with the right people." I mean, he's kind of like doing the dad thing, where it's like, you know, that's my son, and I love him, but like, you know, I may not like his choices. Wasn't it the dad who was doing saying that stuff?
2: Yeah, he did yeah. say that. His dad would not go with Wilder. He's not like that.
0: I, no, I don't think so. But like, if we're talking drama here, I mean, that, that you, I don't think you can do much better than that. What if he brings Breland back?
1: Oh, shut That
2: would be, be cool.
1: No, what? not Fuck Breland. <laughs> All right. I mm. think that there's two choices. I think that it's either going to be Ronnie Shields. Okay. Or it's going to be another Texas guy that he brings into the fold, and I know where you're going with this one. I don't think you do because you're 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 thinking Derek James. Uh-oh, curveball. I'm thinking he's gonna bring Big George Foreman aboard. Oh my god,
0: <laughs> you guys are you guys are too much. George Listen, Foreman. George Foreman, I'm listening.
1: George Foreman has always been very fond of Deontay Wilder. After the loss to Tyson Fury, George Foreman reached out to Deontay Wilder. They were able to have conversations via the phone, and Deontay Wilder did say that when this corona thing is over, I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to... Be with him just to get a taste of of, of that knowledge, and I also remember George Foreman said, "Yeah, Tyson Fury—he's a great boxer, but Deontay Wilder is necessary." I remember George Foreman saying that. To me, I think George understands the mission that we need this victory. We need it for the United States of America. <laughs> okay. And the culture needs this victory. So I think you're gonna see Big George give him those last little bit of pointers just to 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 finish it off. And then July twenty fourth in Las Vegas, Nevada, the big payback. Deontay Wilder regains his WBC heavyweight championship.
0: No, don't don't do that. (laughs) Discord don't like that. Um, All right, let me throw some names at you guys, and I just want to get a one-line reaction to how you guys would feel if it was one of these guys. You ready? Yep. Lex? Let's get it. Number one, Teddy Atlas. Tell you. That you guys sure?
1: Listen, don't make me call him a cracker, please. Don't move on.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> um Virgil Hunter.
1: Uh thank you. Politely. I respect him because he was sick recently, but I've I, I've never liked the way fighters look when they go to Virgil
0: Hunter. Jonathan Banks. Nah. Disciple. I wouldn't be mad at that. Disciple. Ruined... He ruined Klitschko.
1: Yeah. If you, if you look at Klitschko's career, after Emmanuel Stewart died and Jonathan Banks took over, it was all downhill from there. Uh, I, and I, don't I, say it's the age where we know heavyweights age differently. So I just think Jonathan Banks kind of sucks.
0: Maybe it was, it, it, I think that it was definitely the wrong time and it easily could be attributed to age giant the bank sucks uh maybe um all right well those are the names i threw out i just wanted to get your reaction on we'll see who it is yeah. i really hope we get the reveal soon or it, it'd be uh, hilarious if it's a fight night thing where we just don't know until fight night when deontay walks uh, out and it'll, is be,
1: like, it'll be hilarious if there's no third man and deontay wilder was just talking shit uh,
0: do you think deontay's the type to do that
1: i don't think so he plays mind games
0: it would be funny um, but, but now everyone's waiting and wants to know who the third man is. So I, I hope there is a third man. Uh, and then
1: maybe it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> For those who watch wrestling, uh, I'm sure you get the reference. Yeah. Uh,
0: that, <laughs> Jesus, I, it's something tells bad. me just something tells me though, that the, uh, the opinions on race relations and stuff like that just won't mesh up with Hulk Hogan and Deontay <laughs> Wilder. But that's just me.
1: Uh, All right. Uh, no one Hulk Hogan, you'd think that he's there to help Deontay Wilder, but then he'll drop that leg drop on Wilder, just like he did to Macho Man Randy Savage in July of 1996.
0: Hogan always goes over, brother. Yep. <laughs> All right. In a little bit of boxing media news, we want to shout out our friend Jake Donovan, who was announced as the new chairman of the membership committee of the Boxing Writers Association of America. Also, the Boxing Writers Association of America blocked me this week on Twitter. So, you know, you win and some, me. you lose some. You all and it. me. Okay, so we all got blocked. Um, the No, we don't need to go into the story of it, but uh, they blocked a lot of people, and it was kind of unfortunate why they did it, and it was very poorly played on their hand. But now that Jake's at the helm... We assume that the Boxing Writers Association of America will take a step forward in acting consistent with the prestige that should come along with an organization such as themselves.
1: You mean acting like adults?
0: I said what I said. (laughs) Do we act like adults? Shout
1: out to Jake Donovan, though.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I like Jake a lot. And so I'm very happy for him. Someday Jake will come on the podcast and, uh, I won't have to censor or edit anything out that he says because he's not going to give hot takes like you guys. Um, Mike Coppinger has left the athletic and is now at ESPN. So it'll be interesting to see the slant on his coverage that we now get. And, uh, what news falls his way where, you know, he wasn't getting too many ESPN scoops or for, well, th- those would be top rank fights that now seem to be flowing. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing more to say on that. That is actually going to be. I have be... a
2: question for you on this topic. Yes. If you had to guess, um how what? do you think top rank feels about Coppinger's move?
0: I think it doesn't matter because the move was done by CAA. And CAA runs ESPN. So top rank didn't have a choice. But I think they're fine with it. I think that they understand that Mike's the guy that if you throw him a bone, um, he'll roll over for you.
1: So you think they're okay um, with his reporting of the Joshua Fury negotiations?
0: Yeah, because I think the person who came out looking like the biggest loser there was Eddie Hearn and not top rank. Bob Arum played that beautifully beautifully ain't nobody blaming bob today it's all eddie and bob set him up just like the way he set lomachenko up in that tfemo fight he set eddie up for the kill don't play with bob
1: Uh, i respect it you know honestly um espn's boxing coverage has been seriously lacking since uh dan rayfield uh didn't get his contract renewed i i just hope that this is a step in the right direction and I hope that Mike Coppinger could fulfill uh, what's left of the potential that he had because honestly uh, I used to look at Coppinger as someone who could become the boxing version of Adrian Wojnarowski and then uh, I guess the loser in him because he's a loser He's a nerd and he's a loser. The loser in him, I think, is what caused him to roll over for everyone that would throw him a bone, because he felt part of a a club that wasn't like the nerd club. You know, he didn't feel like a bug collector. He didn't feel like a, a Dungeons and Dragons player. He felt like he was part of something, and I think that that's where he got lost in his uh reported in narratives. So I hope that this move to ESPN is going to cause him to become the boxing woge. Just report the news. That's all. That's all we really need. Report the news. Give us some, some rumors on a podcast. And I'm a happy guy. All this other shit, to me, is unnecessary.
0: Uh I, I think... The problem is that in boxing, so much of the the coverage is basically favors for access, and until access is basically, well, I don't know that it'll, it'll ever go away because I do think that this exists on some level in every sport and in politics and everything. So it's just way more obvious in boxing. So
1: yeah, but I'm not hopeful. But what access do you need when sources. you work for espn espn is the access sources. who want their their fights talked about um on an espn platform
0: i think the fights will get talked about either way if you're making the 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 big fights but it's those sources tweets that are the currency here
2: huh. I mean, are they, though? Like, what's really the currency? Like, none of these guys did Tank any favors, and Tank is the hottest fighter, not named Canelo. Not named Canelo, shit. (laughs) Like, maybe Wilder? Tank's one of the hottest fighters, and no one did him any favors. I'm not sure about the the relevance of ESPN within boxing. Yeah. I I don't trust Coppinger to be better. Coppinger sold his soul uh, a couple years ago. I, like you, Matt, had faith that he would be legitimate and a good guy. And Angelo warned me that he's a major goofball. And he ended up being a goofball. Angelo was super right on that one. And I just expect him to, you know, continue to lie for Eddie Hearn at ESPN. Meanwhile, the fighters who we know are the major attractions in the sport will continue to grow, and he'll continue to pump out propaganda. Copaganda, as a matter of fact.
0: Yeah, I'm not hopeful. I think everything stays the same. Sorry, guys. (laughs) let's take let's take a couple minutes and talk about our mid-year awards we are past the halfway point in the year so guys who is your fighter of the year i'll go first it's tank if you don't have tank you better explain (laughs) why lex it's got to be tank matt i'm gonna
1: go with oscar valdez
0: oh god i love valdez by the way Anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that he's one of my favorites. I don't know about that one. I like it, but I don't know about Overtank.
1: I just like that he beat the hell out of Burchout. I was just about done with Burchout.
0: Oh, God. I was more impressed with the Tank win. Um, Barrios just looked like a sturdy fighter. looked like he wasn't there to lose. Burchout didn't look too good in that fight. Now, I will say, though, not a horrible pick. I think the important thing too is that both guys turned in exciting performances and um delivered entertaining fights. So, I definitely think if we're talking about fighter fighter of the year, I'm happy that both Tank and Valdez are in the discussion. Is there anybody else that maybe should get mentioned here?
1: Josh Taylor.
0: Taylor? Yeah. I think that's I think fair. That's fair. Jake Paul?
2: Yeah, all right. <laughs>
0: All right, fight of the year. I, I I'm curious what you guys got to say. Come I think on. it's Apache Glanton. Yeah. It.
1: yeah, exactly. Like
0: no, I, I pick Tank Barrios. Really,
2: Tank Barrios. So for me, when we're talking about fight of the year, like everyone picks Zapata and Baronchik last year, but for me, that doesn't do it for me because there's really not high stakes. There's really not a big stage. There's really not big money on the line. It, it's just like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, which is fun and exciting, but like I, like. I get a rush from like that moment, that stage, and and a pochy a glanton was insane, but it, it didn't have that that vibe. It just ended up being a great fight. So for well, me, I, I
1: think if if you're going that way, why would we not have Figueroa versus Neri on that's, the list?
0: That is my other pick, because same a, thing, same thing for you, for me. um... I don't necessarily always pick Fighter Fight of the Year as the one that's like the most action. Because realistically, if we really wanted uh just the full on like, well, what was the most violent fight of the year? It's usually an undercard fight. It's usually something Tim Boxeo posts about. And yeah, I was that, gonna
2: say we'd have to get Tim Boxeo's opinion. Y-
0: that, that, Yeah, that's like it's like, yeah, yeah. That that was those two dudes beat the hell out of each other. Uh and I like the balance of like stuff that like was on the line, like the swings and momentum and all that stuff. And so for me, Figu- uh, Figueroa and Neri is my other pick. And at the end of the year, I may go back and just switch to this one because I really like that fight. But Apochi Glanton probably deserves the praise right now. That was an insane fight. And it had what Matt lives for, which is big, beefy men slapping meat.
1: Oh yeah, they uh, and they were beating the hell out of each other.
0: pochi with zero boxing skills in there was uh, going toe-to-toe with Glanton for 10 rounds. If that was a 12-round fight, pochi would have overcame, I think, and got the stoppage. But, I mean, that fight was an absolute war. I hope the rematch is 12 rounds. All right, what do you guys have for KO of the year? Philly. Philly, Philly. Stephen Fulton didn't KO anybody?
2: <laughs> I'm talking about boot tennis. No, no, I'm just kidding. Gabe Rosado, man.
0: Oh. I got to no. give it to Gabe, man.
2: I'm a sucker for Gabe. I love that dude, man. Like, I've always been a fan. I like how he carries himself out of the ring. Mm. He's fun. He always shows up. And they kind of sent him on a, a freaking suicide mission, and he pulled, like, yeah. a, a crazy KO out
0: of his that, ass. So I, I got to give it to Gabe, man. That's a got great to. pick. I didn't even think of that. Matt, what did you have? I have F.E.G.
1: job KO and Brian Howard.
0: Okay. I, I have Brandon Adams and Sirhe Boachuk. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good one too. Good but I, I think if I could change my pick, I would change it to Gabe Rosado. That was that was a massive knockout. Beauti- th- and the thing is, also for KO of the year, I like the shots that are beautifully set up. And that Rosado one was a very quick fight, but you could see the, the, the mechanism going... And Rosado lining that shot up and just striking at the perfect time. And he struck early and he got him out of there. Definitely, that was fantastic. I mean, Tim Boxeo probably, I mean, he posted one today where it was like, it, it wasn't even knockout of the year. It was like, this guy almost got murdered of the year. Did you guys see it? <laughs> he posted in the chat. The, the knockout is like insane. The dude, like, he got hit. And his legs, like his knees immediately bent, and so he just fell back on his bent legs. It is a scary Yeah, that knockout. was like um, Ralph
1: versus uh, Cazares, actually.
0: Yeah, but both legs. Uh, oh, actually, no, Tim didn't post it. It was... Lex. No, I posted Lex, it. I posted. You're the one who posted <laughs> it. How did you not mention this? What's wrong with I, you? I'm not sure if it's from this this year or not. That's the only thing. Oh, well, yeah, it was shot with what appears to be... uh. A Nokia
1: 6101. I was about to say a Walkman or
0: something. (laughs) Uh, But
1: Uh, I mean. I sent you guys the aftermath of a Jogba versus Howard in the group chat. Just just go check that out. Just look at it.
0: Well. Just just go. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I don't think you saw this knockout. We're going to get his live reaction to this knockout. Look at this one. I'm sending it in the chat. Uh,
1: I can't watch it in the chat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just click on the link and open it up in Twitter. You can definitely do it.
1: All right. I guess Angelo's trying to kick me off the podcast right now. Oh, I saw this. Oh, yeah.
0: He, that, that's, that's getting folded right there. And, and like, we would never pick that for KO of the year because I think that's like beyond KO of the year. That's like, all right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a little much for this.
1: How do we feel about Valdez versus Burchall KO of the year?
0: In, it's in the running. It's in the running. I, I think, um, I, 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 think that there are more impressive ones but it's in the running it's definitely got you got to bring that one up uh all right what do you guys have for upset of the year
1: well I think Angelo mentioned it already uh Gabe Rosado over uh the roided up
0: back the bully (laughs) (laughs) I I so first of all I did not mention that Lex did so let's give Lex his credit Second of all, that's not even the one that I picked. But as you can see, I totally forgot that fight happened. My pick was Laura and uh, Warrington.
1: Uh, I, I I can't pick that because uh, as we've seen, the Brits have problems fighting these Mexican guys.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Lex, are you going to pick Rosado here? Or are you going to pick Anderson yeah, Silva I'll, and Cesar like, Chavez Jr.? For, for
2: game, if Gabe is listening, I'm going to pick you. But in the event I can't double up, I'm gonna go with Omar Juarez losing to uh who was what was the guy's name,
0: Angelo? Al, Al Rivera. All Rivera. Uh, oh, all all Rivera. Yeah,
2: all Rivera. All yeah. Rivera over uh Omar Juarez. All
0: right, so I mean, Dev, if we wanna take prospects should we take Vito? <laughs> no.
1: I don't think Vito's that good. He's just a good ticket or, seller.
0: Or we don't we don't kick while people are down. Okay, got it. All right, coming up this week, Javier Fortuna, uh, I suppose he finally gets a chance to fight for the WBC lightweight title when he faces Jojo Diaz for the interim lightweight title. Jojo Diaz stepping up in weight, although it's not much of a step up because he missed weight last time out. What do you expect out of this fight? By the way, guys, this is on Friday night. Don't forget. Lex, what do you expect out of this uh, fight? I expect Fortuna to get busy. These are both two small lightweights. I don't know if, like, I want to describe Fortuna as small. He's small. I think he's like 5'6". Is he? Yeah, he's
2: a little guy. All right, all right. Like height wise, sure, but I still think of him as like a a tough, gritty, rugged dude. I'm that not really uh, yes. Exactly. Not like Javante I'm not Davis. The highest on JoJo Diaz, I like Fortuna. He's super awkward uh, when he's locked in. He's super tough. He's not always locked in. He's one of those guys that, like, sometimes he's not the sharpest, and other times he is. But I think, like, for all that he's gone through, I think he's going to turn in a really good performance. And I have him, uh, oh, he might stop him. I don't know. I, I want
0: to bet on it, but I don't know. I I really want Fortuna to win this fight because I feel like this would be the best win of Fortuna's career. It would kind of right the the ship a bit on his career because fortuna i don't know if you guys like remember him as a prospect but this dude was amazing he looked like he was going to be the next superstar of boxing or at least like a big star because of the way he fought he was exciting all action and was knocking dudes out and then like i don't know he hit a wall or something and just hasn't been able to really truly break past it and show that he could meet some of the hype in the um that he was getting when he was a prospect. Jojo Diaz, I think, is kind of like floundered. Maybe we know what his ceiling is at this point. I mean, he was a good amateur. He did look good on the way up, but lack of power, lack of discipline has really reared its ugly head for Jojo. And, you know, coming off of that fight where he probably didn't win it, he missed weight. Um, it, it seems it could be like the perfect storm for JoJo to get his second loss here. uh, Or maybe JoJo really turns things around and he's rededicated himself to the sport. And he comes out here and beats Fortuna. But I think this is a good fight either way. I mean, in terms of just skills, we'll see how JoJo looks at 135. He was at 130. And I don't necessarily think it was because JoJo's a big guy. I think we got some... uh little discipline issues out of the ring that have forced him to move up and wait. Uh, which way... See what
1: it is. He's an alcoholic.
0: I'm not saying that. I don't know.
2: Is he? He admitted it. He's an alcoholic. I, I didn't know that he was an alcoholic, but I do know that for... I don't know if it was this camp or the one before. He was posting all kinds of snacks and like bags of Cheetos. And he got like some snacks.
0: Yeah, yeah. He had this, from some yeah.
2: Like Julian or something like that.
0: Hey man, yo! The guy did to he eat? just he a to have a
1: drink? Did he just have a second DUI
2: in, in, in February? I, I'm not doubting that. If it, if he did, I just I I didn't hear about it. It could be true.
0: That's the kind of stuff yeah, that February, I don't remember.
1: February 12th, he had a second DUI. Come on now, y'all didn't know that JoJo Diaz was an alcoholic.
0: I don't make any assumptions about people like that.
1: That's not an assumption. It's a fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Based off of what, bro?
1: How many DUIs do you have to get before you consider an alcoholic?
0: I he he may have uh an issue with his drinking. He has multiple. He has multiple
1: DUIs.
0: Yeah, it's not a good look. It is, and he
1: looks like shit. Yeah, look just look at him. I look actually, how old he looks.
0: I, I I looked at one of the posters today, and uh, his waist. He looks old, right? No, I, I'm not even gonna talk about his face, but his waist is like wider than his shoulders
1: yeah alcoholic belly
0: and so i mean that kind of sucks i mean it could be like fortuna's real opportunity to break out but i still think jojo in terms of like raw talent offensively still like he still got it you know you saw in his last fight offensively he can still go it's just everything else
1: yeah but can he can he keep uh fortuna off of him
0: I don't think Fortuna is going to come forward like that. I think Fortuna is going to try to counterpunch.
1: I guess we'll see. I yeah. think Fortuna is going to beat the hell out of him. That's just my opinion.
0: Uh, Lex?
2: Yeah, no, I pick Fortuna. I don't know if it'll be stoppage or decision or whatever, but Fortuna is tough, man. He's a good fighter. Super awkward. It'll be a good fight.
0: Okay. Zerto makes his Golden Boy debut against Sullivan Barrera. Um, what does Zerto need to do to impress you? Sullivan Brera is a pretty durable fighter I guess we could say um he, he's, he's he's not elite by any stretch um I guess you can kind of call him a good measuring stick. He's only been beaten by Andre Ward Dimitri Bivel and uh Jesse Hart yikes uh what does but what do you want to see out of Ramirez here Matt? I just
1: wanna see Ramirez in action. That's it. He just needs to do his thing. Just just box him well, uh, get some rounds in and and, and move on to the next one.
0: This will be only uh Zerdo's second fight in the last two years. Yeah. I, so, I, I think if your expectations are that is going to stop him, like, I, I wouldn't expect that. Zerto has never been, like, a big puncher like that. That's really not his style. I think Barrera, unless he has no punch resistance, and that's possible, but it, unless he has no punch resistance, I see this being a decision fight. Um, the only person that stopped Barrera was Bivol, and it took him the until the 12th round to get that. So... I don't expect now, Is it
1: possible that Ramirez could overwhelm Barrera with punch
0: volume? No. Nope. Don't think so. The reason why I don't think so, I think uh Barrera is more than capable of when he doesn't want to engage, they're not gonna engage. He can clinch, he'll just move. Uh Barrera is, you know, I don't I don't think that he's that guy that's gonna like Take risks that allow himself to get overwhelmed.
1: Uh, does does Zerdo need to have
0: an exciting fight? Um, I I just I don't think so. I don't ever see it happening for Zerdo. I know he wow. sees himself as a bigger star, but like he's only thirty. I know, but he was with Top Rank. They strapped the rocket to his back, and he could not like do anything with it. That's not true. What what did he do? When did they strap the rocket to his back? He fought on HBO. They put him on a Pacquiao undercard. They started headlining him on ESPN cards. He fought as a headliner on ESPN four times. And then they decided we got to stick this guy in his hometown. In his hometown? In in Mexico?
1: No, no. They had him somewhere in Texas. Wasn't he a, a ticket seller? Somewhere in Texas.
0: Uh I in Corpus Christi. No, that they, they did not sell any tickets there. The crowd was sparse.
1: Uh, I like Zerto. He was the first guy to beat uh Roman Angulo, and I think um, Angulo turned out to not be that bad after he was able to beat quote unquote prospect Anthony Sims Jr. Um
0: and Gulo he, low key hurt yeah. Ramirez in that fight and it went twelve rounds. Say that again? He kinda hurt Ramirez in that fight and it went twelve rounds. Ramirez yeah, does not have, have it.
1: He don't have it. Uh we'll see I I I'd like to be rolling. I'm just hoping Zerno could be the big star but I think he could be. Yes, good fighter, Mexican.
0: Well, if anybody's gonna uh, do it, it's Golden Boy. I think that if if it's gonna happen, I think Golden Boy. This was the right move for him to try to set this up. Is
1: this his last chance to become a star?
0: Yeah, I think I think it is his last chance to become star. a star.
2: He has no, he has no chance to
0: be. Actually, a star. no, no, no. I changed my mind. I changed my mind, and I'll tell you why I changed my mind. Ain't nobody gonna watch this. And that's not like some indictment or anything like that. But I just think it's a Friday night fight. Like, if this does terrible, no one's going to even know. And you could just kind of like, just like the Laura loss for, for Warrington, you could just sweep it under the rug and move on and try again. No one will know any different.
1: Yeah, but what's up? Hap- what's happening Friday and nobody's going to watch this?
0: Uh, I don't know. People go out to dinner. They're going to go see uh, the new Fast and the Furious movie. I don't know. What is this? Whatever the reason is that people usually don't watch boxing in mass numbers on Friday, that's what it is. Uh,
1: let's go Zerto.
0: <laughs> that that was like the most like weak uh, attempt to like you know show your support for Zerto. Uh, well,
1: you know, I I I, I, I tied myself out with the bomb
0: squad. <laughs> All right, Tim Suzu. Fights on Wednesday in Australia. All right. All right. Against, Angelo. Angelo. I'm gonna keep doing it.
1: Are we please?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna keep doing it. Uh against Steve Spark oh, against Steve Spark. I've never heard of Steve Spark. Never. That that doesn't even sound right. Steve Spark. That's 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 not even that doesn't even sound like a wrestling name. Steve Spark Honestly,
1: I don't think Steve Spark is a real person.
0: Steve Spark <laughs> sounds like a fitness trainer. Yeah. Let's make this,
2: this uh, Tim Zoo thing interesting because the, the matchup isn't. No. If he wanted to come to America, where yeah. would he uh, sign with or, or partner with?
0: Probably come on time. now. Come on now. Top rank. Right? Top rank loves their sons and nephews and grandchildren. Yeah. They love that gimmick.
2: Like, Top, in fact, right?
0: PBC, everyone else. They should just be like top rank here you go I we, we know go for it this is your thing it's like that it would be gimmick infringement if like golden Boy or PBC were to scrape him up I, I would feel I'd be like come on guys this is not what you do let top rank have them
1: I think more uh, more interesting about zoo is you know his I guess promoter out there his manager uh maybe seem like they were gonna offer charlo 10 million dollars to fight him in Australia do we actually think that that is a real possibility? No. Or are they just capping?
0: They one hundred percent. This, yeah, one hundred percent. That's not happening. The, the The quote was even taken out of context. It was more of him saying like it would take like ten million dollars to get him out here. I think, I think they're kind of in a. Well, we're gonna see what's real because if they could legitimately draw like ten million to the event to an event for for him. He won't need to leave Australia, and people will go there. But I think what we're going to see is that the money just isn't there. It wasn't there for Darchanian. It wasn't there for his dad. They all had to come and leave Australia. And I think what's most likely going to happen is that they're going to reach the point of diminishing returns as his purses get higher, and they still keep making the same amount of money for domestic-level matchups, that it'll be time for him to come to the U.S., and furthermore, the only way that they're going to get a world title is if he comes to the U.S. And especially with 154 about to be unified, uh, Jamel Charlo or Brian Castano will call all the shots in in that. And so, it's better to get him established in the U.S. sooner rather than later. Get that split right. He's obviously going to have a big following in Australia, but that's that's the play here. And he does have a my, my God, guys, he does have a really big Australian fan base when he fights, the chat sees bigger numbers than when Canelo fights. I'm not even joking. Now, granted, there are more new fans that probably aren't already in the chat than there are for Canelo, but to see the numbers for like his fights is pretty crazy.
1: Well, I think that it is realistic for them to offer him $10 million, Uh for the simple fact that a lot of these fights... Are government sponsored so i think the government will pay for it same way they paid for pacquiao and jeff horn and i think they're gonna try to see if they can get their guy uh a shot at the undisputed crown
0: uh yeah i don't see that happening but it would be an interesting wrinkle if the health health minister of australia were to shut that down now wouldn't it yeah um, all right. Well, that is it. We have reached the end of the line here on what we plan to talk about. Matt, Lex, thanks for coming on. If you guys enjoy the podcast and want to hear us talk about other types of boxing topics that aren't just previews and recaps, you can head over to patreon.com slash Sunday where you will find various other types of podcasts that aren't all just, well, some of them are news related. Some of them are historical, you know. A whole bunch of other stuff, plus get access to our chat, which um, you know, has some of if not the best discussion on boxing with the level of guys who are in there offering up their opinions and actually doing their research and all that stuff. So Lex, Matt, any final words for you guys? And
2: yeah, uh, I was gonna say we, we gotta set up that uh that five star rating the prospects Yeah, we episode. got to make the prospect.
1: prospect. The Sunday Puncher Top Prospect List.
0: All right, we'll do it. Coming soon, the, the draft, what do we call it? Like the recruiting class? The recruiting class podcast. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week.